welcome to As the Wheel of Time Turns, where we unravel the weavings of Amazon's Wheel of Time. I am BJ, I'm your host. As we come in on this final episode, I am joined by my co-hosts. Sarah, how's it going? I am doing really well. I am very glad to be joining from sunny and weirdly hot Columbia, Missouri in the middle of November, uh, and excited to talk this last episode, which I um, absolutely watched for the first time 20 minutes ago. So let's go. Hot off the press. I'm excited. Lee, how's it going over will there? Will Will Wills. Uh, what will be will be what was meant to be. Uh, very excited to talk this episode. I watched it 20 minutes after it was released. So I didn't watch it 20 <laughs> minutes ago. I watched it fucking immediately and loved it and really thought it was a strong landing and excited to talk the episode. Awesome. Uh, I wonder if Lanfear has anything to do with that that excitement. Uh, we shall see. Uh, Bree, you're also here. I am indeed here. And I'm ready to talk about this jam-packed episode. A lot going on. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we have a bunch of segments, uh, probably the, the longest one, which we all chime in for, but is led by our uh, uh, chosen uh, Lee. Uh, <laughs> that is the, the recap. I'm the... Uh, it's the yeah. So they call people who don't like them call them forsaken. People who like them call them the chosen. Right? Is that, is that exactly? And I like you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that works. That's how that works. Yes. That's the cliff notes. Um, I think it might have to do with the alignment of the people. No, no. That's really. the wheel of time cliff notes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give give cliff notes as I go. Uh, cliff notes we to have... your own cliff notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Lee notes. Mm. Uh, so so we have uh, best line of the episode. Uh, winners and losers, and then we followed up with some spoiler talk. And you know, in definitely by next season, uh, I think Lee's going to be out there with us, probably uh, even more in depth researching than than we will have by that time. Oh, absolutely! As, uh, you're blowing through the books at, at impressive rates. Yeah, about quarter way through book five now. So I finished book four at the end of last episode, and and got working on book five a little slower this week. I've been traveling and stuff, but uh, yeah, making a lot of progress. I'll tell you this, that it does change reading the book. I, I highly recommend reading the book if people are enjoying the show, but it's a completely different story, different turning of the wheel as established on this podcast, not said for the first time by some YouTuber. A lot of people have said that apparently that's what I learned. It's been said a lot, yep. uh, but it does change your perception of certain characters. Even though I tell myself it's different, it's different shows different. I still am like, yeah, but I have a preconception about that character now. So it does kind of change how I think about it. Does it go both ways? Does it go for you from book to show and show to book? Uh, the only thing it, that, that I think for me goes the other way is that with the show, I, um, I'm, I, I see the faces of the people from the show mm. when I'm reading the book. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I, mm-hmm. I kind of visualize the characters. Got it. And I do think that's a sign of, of, pretty good casting right that you can slot in the people that you see in the show into your mind when you're reading the book yeah even though it's a different story yeah 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 i mean i i think that going back and reading it there are some definite standouts like logan ishamael lanfear that though they will probably be like the representation in my head more than you know what i had previously yeah that's fair i mean i think all three of the characters that you named are stronger in the show but then there's also characters much stronger in the book too so um but yeah i i don't think you can overstate how much of a different story it is like i think that people hear book readers say that and they go oh well you know book readers they just want it to Mm -hmm. be like exactly like the book no folks it's a different it's like 
they're doing different shit. They're in different places. Like it's different for sure, but still very yeah. good. Um, yeah, very definitely. I, this, this is, and I would say very direct contrast to in many ways, Game of Thrones and, and how close or far from the books it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. The people who thought Game of Thrones was <laughs> not, not following the book. <laughs> Wheel of Time did a little. Hard. The showrunners did a little hold my beer situation. They here. certainly did. Came yeah. in hard. It's, it's, yeah. it's different for sure. Um, the competition. Mm-hmm. It's not, they're not even hitting the same beats a lot of the times. But you know, there's 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 certainly it's not like two different yeah. circles, right? Like there's some overlap in that Venn diagram, but like yeah, that Venn, uh, but yeah. not a lot. Uh, so. Uh, let's get into it and do the recap. All right. Episode eight. What was yeah. meant to be? So, um, got the recap, parent of Shamayel, Matt of Shamayel, um, Shamayel giving Matt the, the dagger, uh, or no, giving, giving Matt the tea, uh, Rena and Egwene, Egwene's line. I will kill you. They wanted you to know that the Nynaeve and Elaine collaring the Soldom. They wanted you to know that too. Lanfear and Rand Moraine talking about the dragon is supposed to be proclaiming himself at Falm. Like that, they wanted that line to hit you in the recap too. Dragon, dragon prophecies say it's supposed to be proclaimed at fall. So there you go. We start with a flashback of three thousand years ago. I hope this is just we get this every season. I hope at the finale of every season we get a flashback to the second age and we get, or yeah, we get the flashback to the age of heroes, second age, and we see more about Luz Theron and what he was doing here. The scene that we got, like season one, if you don't remember, season one, the um, start of the finale was Luz talking to, I can't remember the woman's name, um, the head of the Aes Sedai at the time, a female, and he was mm-hmm. talking to her about wanting her help to go um, seal up the boar and, and seal the dark one forever. And she's like, yeah, bad idea. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. And then um, we cut out and we actually, the, the big reveal was that 3,000 years ago it was a very advanced society. They had, you know, skyscrapers and flying machines and cars and stuff that, you know, looks advanced, right? Um, Showings. This episode, we got a 3,000 year flashback, but it was Luz and I believe, is it 11 other guys? 10 other guys? Something like that? Um, Something like that. Yeah. And he, that, this is when they sealed a Shamael. So we got, we actually got a scene where we saw what happened to put a Shamael for Shamael away for 3000 years and what presumably happened to every other forsaken too. Like they're all sealed away. Mm-hmm. So that was the scene. Uh, but the, I think the main thing that I took from that scene or the, the interesting part of that scene was once a Shamael figured out, like I'm not gonna be able to talk lose out of this, or at least lose is very serious about this. He changed his tone and he almost becomes friendly with him. He's like, like, no, like lose. No, like don't do this to me. Um, I think reinforcing that they had a personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I think it's a nice, you know, when we're we're looking at the episode as a whole, I think it's those are nice bookends between that and then Ashamel and Rand at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two sort of contrasts for how to start and end the episode. And especially when you realize that, and when you know that Ashamel, like, like Lanfear does, thinks he's speaking to Luz. Um, right. It's like, kind of yeah. in some ways, like, go ahead. Luz puts him away, right? He like locks him up essentially at the beginning, mm-hmm. and at the end, he basically sets him free. Well, Rand sets him free, mm-hmm. free, but essentially, Luz does. Right. It's. I think it's meant to be a little unclear how much of Rand is Luz, and mm-hmm. um, I think that if you're asking that question, that's the right question to ask, and we should be watching for that. Yep. 
then we get the intro. I think this might be the first time the whole season we got the full intro with all of the weavings yep. and the whole thing. Yeah. I like it. They should bring it back. I'm a fan. You can always Agreed. press skip if you want to, but I think it's solid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we start with a scene of people walking, and it's the children of the light. We see Dane Bornhold, who is uh, looking at Fom, and they are planning. They're doing a whole thing, and, and Joff, uh, Joffrem Bornhold is there. That's his father, Joffrem Bornhold, and he's kind of leading the charge, and primary thing here that we get in this conversation is twofold one is that the people of Falm, when they were when the sanction took over put out a cry for help to like everybody like hey can we get some sos here can we get some fucking help <laughs> and like everybody including tarvalon was like i got other shit going on but the children of the light <laughs> came and I... we're supposed to dislike them oh yeah they don't s- think it was i don't think it was the people of Falm that put out that cry it was somebody else, but we can talk about that. Who put it out? Okay. Yeah. I think it's the Sea Folk. Oh, I. Yeah. I, I don't. I think so. But well, in any case, it doesn't really matter. The, tower, the, yeah. the Watchers. Oh, the Waves. Right. Yeah. I. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. Okay, can we explain what we're saying? Anyway, someone. Yeah. I, I think maybe we'll just leave it out because it's not explained in the show. So I think we'll just leave it at. Someone put out the call for help. Nobody answered except for the white cloak. Right. Yeah. So okay. they say the watchers on the waves and they, they say that the, you know, the Ace Sedai didn't, didn't answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a little bit of this in some earlier episodes where uh, Leanne was basically dismissing like there, Oh, there's something happening in Falm. Like it, you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. We've gotten that um, several times. Well, they sent a couple, um, yeah. they sent a couple. I, I said, I check it right. out. And well, they yeah. Got, they got yeah. collared yeah. Um, or killed. And we, we, we've seen one that was the blue Aja that, um, Egwene saw, you know, when she was training. Yep. And then Nine. we also mm-hmm. saw, um, the yellow Aja who got taken this, this season. Yep. I'm a hundred percent wrong, but it is not, not quite, quite the people of Falm either. So nobody's right. But anyway, <laughs> nobody's right. Perfect. Okay. Um, well, someone said, help the people someone. of Falm, please. And uh, the you can already tell that like the children of the light are like, the way that they are going to frame this is we answered the call when nobody else would. Like we, mm-hmm. we showed up yep. when nobody else would. Now we as the viewer have a lot of problems with the children of the light. They've got that that nut who you know like the, likes to cut off the hands of the ice that I um, there's all kinds of problems with these people right but they showed up and they they're there to help mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. I think we get a reiteration that Jeffrem is a good guy and he is like the current leader of the white cloaks like he he talks about uh, fighting a losing battle because they're the only ones there and it needs to be done. And that the Shanshan are slavers and oppressors, and they fight because they must. Um, and it's interesting because we also get in later scenes, but uh, I can't remember if he shows up briefly here. A child Bayar, who's the the one that we really don't like. That uh, he's not here, but we see him later. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. And then we get Dane talking to his father, and he actually quotes the Dragon Prophecies. And what I like about that is that it shows just how embedded throughout society the dragon prophecies are. Like you wouldn't suspect somebody who's like second in command or at least fairly high up. I don't know what Dane is, but fairly high up in the children to be like thinking about the dragon prophecies. You would think they, they he wouldn't, that would be out of sight, out of mind, but he's even thinking about it. Um, so I think that they're just trying to show you it's really ubiquitous in the society. 
Yeah, I had yeah. that down in my notes too. I yeah, I thought it was interesting. I just hadn't really really stopped to consider how widespread the dragon prophecies are, where they had spread, and who would know them, know them this well, give any credence to them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like that that whole sort of um, yeah. dissemination of information over generations is super interesting to me. So there's a caveat that I would put here that they seem to be doing a little bit, but like they haven't made it very clear in the show, is that Jeffrem is like well-read and worldly. Like he he's the one that suggested that Moraine go see Asa Dai to heal her shoulder. Right. Um, like he's much more a man of the world maybe than a lot of the other children of the light. And so him having passed that on to his son, like, kind of makes sense. Mm, like, mm-hmm. like you can't just be a one-dimensional dude if you want to be a leader. Um, you know, you need to read Seven Rings, you need to read Art of War, you, like, you need to, you know, know, know a lot of the, the, the classics. Uh, and, you know, the dragon prophecies are in that. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's another way to attack it, is that it would make sense that he would be learned. But the fact that, so the fact that he would know it is not surprising. The fact that he would be bringing it up, that it's on, it's yeah. in the front of his mind, that part yeah. is a little interesting to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one thing, the, I don't think this is really a spoiler, but I think one thing the books do really well is that like they, like, and, and the show is going for this. So I think it's fair to point out, like basically the whole world, or at least the whole world that we're following has some iteration of the dragon reborn is coming. It, they call it different. Everybody calls mm-hmm. it something different. Mm-hmm. They all have different, like, things that like well he's supposed to put a keyhole a key in a keyhole on a tuesday at three and then another person thinks he's supposed to bake a cake on friday but he's supposed to do all this shit but nonetheless it's they all have some sort of like um hero come again story that is like Mm -hmm. a backbone of their society and uh it's not surprising that at the end of this episode the people react this way because they're they're all learned in this this steeped in this uh prophecy too that you know, a hero is coming to save them eventually. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the interesting things that uh, is kind of very uh, Star Wars in some ways is that, like, the there is a lot of doom and gloom associated with these prophecies that, you know, we, we sort of get, I feel like, a, a flavor of in the show. Like, uh, that he was the most powerful channeler, you know, breaking the world, things like that. And so along with the prophecies is cataclysmic events. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that mm-hmm. great point. And I didn't know how much quite how deep to go into that, but I think, that, I think that's, I think you made a good stopping point with it, which is it's not a lot of these prophecies or a lot of these like legends in these societies aren't just, he's coming to save us. It's like, he's coming and there's a reckoning. Like, yeah, <laughs> he may save us, but like some shit's going to go down in the process. Um, so everybody, you know, has a sort of a different, some people are really excited about it. Some people kind of look askance at, at the idea of him coming. Um, but it's sort of embedded in society and there's all these different reactions. And that's a really interesting part of the book. I feel like, because it's a P you know, they do it in POV chapters. So you're just getting it piecemeal sort of word of mouth from other people about how different cultures are seeing this event. Um, so then we get there, uh, land fear, moraine, Land are and Rand are in the ways, and uh, you got Rand who's walking behind with Moraine, and Landfear's like, "What's going on back there? Y'all getting handsy? Like, if, should I get, be worried about this situation?" Um, Can I just point out, this is not like this is not the road trip I want to be on. 
Yeah, they're vaping. They're <laughs> taking sockets. Yeah, it. I don't know. It's interesting to me that that Rand is is staying at Moraine's hip. I think he has a relationship with Lanfear. He's increasingly feeling more comfortable with Lanfear, but in this situation, he's he's sticking with Moraine. And like, I find the Moraine Rand dynamic fascinating in the show and the book. Um, and I, I like just how how close they are or aren't is something I keep an eye on. But uh, Lanfear basically tells Moraine, "Hey, why don't you open up the the way gate here?" And um, go ahead. So uh, to to call out one of our other podcasts in uh, pottering around, I talk about uh, Harry Potter having good or bad chapters depending on where Hedwig is. Correct. Uh, you do. Yes. That is a thing that happens. Rand, Rand uh, also sometimes has some similar vibes with uh, Moraine. <laughs> you know, if Moraine's around and helping him out, he's probably yeah. having better chapters. Yeah. <laughs> it is frustrating. Like, in both the show and the book, I just want to shake Rand and be like, dude, you've got to get it through your head that this woman is on your side. Like, I don't know what it's going to take for you to stop thinking <laughs> that, that, like, there's some undercurrent of problem here with Moraine. Like, we see at the end of this episode, Rand's nowhere to be found. It's just her and Lan sitting there. And she tells him, yeah. just fr- as Frank is, you know, as, as honest as you can be, like, my whole deal is to support this guy. Like, that's my reason mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Um so their yeah. their dynamic super interesting. Lanfear tells Moraine, "Open the way gate." Moraine's like, well, "Ashamael took my took my powers or shielded me or stuff, <laughs> you know, whatever she said." And Lanfear's like, ah, "I have to see what you did there." Um, Lanfear kind of pulling a BG on the pod, like, "I see what you, I said I are doing <laughs> weird ways you speak." Anyway, that's bullshit. And she opens it up. She kicks Moraine and Lan out. But in the way of kicking them out, she says, uh, "When the time comes, raise the banner." Mm-hmm. Um, so the other cool thing that I not sure if it's generally true, and I kind of want to go back, uh, and maybe, uh, Lee, you're the best person for this and I might do this as well. Does Lanfear ever lie? Um, Mm. and it's a super like interesting thing to me because like in the books, there's a whole lot of like you know, sort of back and forth on, on, you know, what the Aes Sedai are and, and what Lanfear considers herself. And I think sort of similar, similarly in the show, like it's not quite clear whose side she on, what she is, all these things. But when Moraine asks her, is this Toman head? She just smiles. And then like, it goes from there. Like there, there's no reason for her to say no, yeah, there, you know, she could have just answered, but like it was just interesting to me that she didn't. And a lot of times that I'm thinking back on, like she could outright lie, and it'd be easy. And it seems like she doesn't. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up, BJ. I am I'm in the process of reading the books too. I'm not as far in as as Leah's, but I'm in the middle of the second book now, and I noticed when I was reading how much effort Lanfear at this point, Celine in the books, uh, how much effort she puts into they um, stop at the inn outside of Karian and Mm -hmm. um, how much effort she puts into not answering questions that she doesn't want to into skirting around um, some things. And that could be that she just doesn't want to be, want it to be known that she's there. Um, But it felt a little Aes Sedai in the way that she was moving away from, having to tell a lie so i think in the show though we do get her saying at least if not outright lies some half truths about like the um little cabin up in the woods 
above. That's true. Kareen. I mean, like, she says, oh, my family owns this, blah, blah, blah. We have no idea where this cabin actually came from, but she then is like, just kidding. I used to take my former mm-hmm. lover up here. And so, like, so that's I don't true. Think... I think she's capable of lying. She may not like to lie, but I, we have evidence of her saying at least, if not outright laws, lies pretty close. I think that's a great point, Brie, that, like, She's not like oath rotted with not lying, yeah. right? Because she clearly right. lies during the Celine gimmick. Like, so she can do it. But I, my theory is that, like, at least Show Moraine or uh, Show Show Lanfear does not want to lie to Rand about serious things. She wants Rand to trust right. her. She likes Rand. Mm-hmm. Like, she she loves Lewis. I think she she likes bordering on love Rand. Like, she wants this guy to trust her. Um, and she, she's not telling the big lies. Now, she is glib sometimes she withholds information. She does all of that stuff. Right. But like the big outright lies of important stuff. I don't, I think BJ raises a good point. I don't see her doing too much of that in the back half of the season. Yeah. I mean, and this is, I, I guess sort of my point and like even to Moraine. And so I guess well, Rand was I there wonder at if the time, right? Like, so maybe, maybe right. that's, part that, of that's it. true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I sort of wonder if some of it is like um, a lot of times in organizations, like you have unspoken rules uh, that, are fine until somebody does something uh, and then they have to be codified. And that kind of feels like the change between like, all right, Ace to die back in the day are upheld to certain standards. And then there were some problems and it was like, no, we're going to like, you have to be forced on an oath rod uh, to do things because y'all messed up. <laughs> yeah. If... I thought that happened during Hawkwing's time. Uh, where they surrounded the tower and forced it. Well, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if all three of them were at the same time, but, and also completely unclear what the show was doing compared to the books, Yeah, that's so. fair. Anyway, um, I did like that Lanvier clearly has a plan in mind for Moraine. She's like, oh, you have a role to play still. And then tells her, you know, the thing about raising a banner. Um, but clearly doesn't want to be burdened with her. <laughs> and so it's just like okay well i'm dropping you off bye yeah she does kick her out um and i don't think she i don't think she intended that to be a soft landing <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, also moraine uh, or lanfear uh was a really good algebra student uh because she definitely did the x train leaves from y city at this time <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, needs the, to arrive. The traveling, the traveling stuff into TV yeah. shows is always difficult. Yeah, it's, they, they, everything um, gets timed perfectly. Uh, anyway. Rand gets I upset. Will say about, that, go ahead, Sarah. I was just going to say that I, I do. I just want to take a second to say that from a viewing perspective, I love that Moraine and Lan are like tossed out into a brightly lit, like easily distinguishable place. Uh, it's in such contrast yeah. to what we like normally see here. It was a, really a breath of. Fresh ocean air. Yeah, to get a bright mm-hmm. a bright scene in a fantasy show is pretty is, is good. I think it's, it, yeah. I heard a lot of people saying they like that, so that might be something they pick up on that, that they maybe they don't need just the drab lighting all the time in every fantasy show. Right. Mm-hmm. Rand gets upset. I also wonder ahead. if they're trying to move the fights into the light after uh such um, negative ga- feedback from Game of Thrones just being like, Why is everything in the dark all the time? And I know it makes it easier for a certain for a lot of things, but Yeah, I don't know. I mean I I, I hope I don't know. I hope that the showrunner for this show isn't thinking too much about what happened with Game of Thrones as he makes this show, right? Like, I hope they're yeah. I hope they're not reactive yeah. to that show because it's like that was their experience that they did their thing, but like, yeah. they don't need to they don't need to this be like different. a knee jerk for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're telling a different story and maybe a better story. I don't know. Um, 
Rand gets upset about Lanfear channeling in the ways. <laughs> he, he does seem like, uh, I don't know. It, you know, he seems like uh, he's like a high schooler who's got a girlfriend who's not in high school. And then the girl, the, the woman, the woman, the woman comes on campus and he's like, you're going to get your attention. And she's like, you idiot. I'm not, I'm like, you, you know, I'm not a child. Like I'm not in school anymore. Like I'm not worried about my chin. I'm fucking land fear. I can handle this shit. Um, but this is also after like he saw, I don't know, maybe some college dropouts get arrested, you know, the week before, right? Like he's been in the ways and was pretty traumatized, I think, by that experience. But she, so like he knows what happens when you channel in the ways and the last I said I wasn't able to protect him. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I, this is a different. But you know, I think that I think Landfinger is maybe on a different level, and she uh, she proves that. Oh, absolutely. She proves that, um, of course. Um, so, but in the in the middle of this, when he's complaining about it, she touches his face and um, tells him, "You know how I am." Um, you know, and and trying to have like a kind of like a moment with him. It's unclear how much of that lands with Rand. And then we get Perrin, who's walking into Falm with Avienda and Bane. And do we have the name of the third spear Chad. maiden? Who is it? Wait, what? Chad. Chad. Yeah. yeah. Chad. Now, C-H-I-A-D. Chad. Yeah. If y'all want to. Bane and Chad. If, if it, she just hanging Any out. of the listeners want just a complete. <laughs> She's a Chad. Want any of a complete. Just want. Any of our listeners want a complete mind fuck about the characters. Learn what book Avienda is and then learn what show Avienda is. Like. You would think this isn't based on the books. You would think this is like a brand new story <laughs> written from whole cloth. Completely fucking different character. I don't even know why they use the name. It's not not remotely the same. Um, <laughs> so Avienda tells Para that many people will wake from the dream one day, or to Drake wake from the dream today. Kind of telling him like shit's about to go down. Perrin tells Hopper to stay. It's not safe. But he'll be back. And Perrin takes off. Shout out to Shamiel looking over the city, and we see Landfear in his bedroom, and. She tells him she brought Rand and Shamayo gets upset about this. They have this conversation. It's, I would think a, a really interesting conversation. I think people have theorized a lot about what, what was going on here on the surface. It appears that Shamayo is upset that she brought Rand because she's ahead of schedule. She argues back to him. You're a procrastinator. You'll never get this done. I had to bring him. I had to get shit rolling. He's ready enough basically. And then Shamayo starts to suspect that she ultimately isn't interested interested in turning Rand to his side to the dark, um, and he kind of starts to suspect her. And then, as they start to the trust starts to fray between these two, they have a moment of reminiscing and friendship where they sit on the bed, they put their heads on each other, and I think it's more about the past at that point than where they are now or the future. And then, as soon as Ashamael gets out of that scene, he's storming down the hallway, yelling at Pat and Fane like she's forsaken. She, you know, she's uh, she's forsaken us. Hot, it's pretty good. She's uh, sold us out. She's, you know, she's against <laughs> us. Um, that's what this, I think a surface reading of this scene is. I'm interested to hear if anybody else read more into it than that. No, I think you're absolutely right that Ashamael, and probably from before this, suspects what Lanfear's true goal in all of this is. Um, and that she actually doesn't want Rand to turn to the dark necessarily. Um, or maybe that she has this misplaced belief that Rand will turn to the dark, but then that Rand will uh, join her or team up with her. Like they will be together again. But certainly not not the way that Ashamael wants him to turn to the dark and end, end everything. Yeah. I think the, the conversation went something like, I want to be with him forever. And Ashamel's like, yeah, I Let's want that end too. Everything. <laughs> and it'll be forever. 
uh, just a different <laughs> amount of time than I think you want. Uh, yeah, my forever is the next 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think that there was a lot of chatter. It sounds like the people on this podcast aren't necessarily buying into this, but there's a lot of chatter online that maybe what we see with Lanfear this episode, where it appears that she's turned on a Shamael, that she's at odds with Mo Gideon at the end of the episode, that she's openly supporting Rand, um, vis-a-vis maybe even like allied with Moraine and all of the people who are tied up with Rand, that she's yet another ally. Um, there are some people that, that are using this Argue, this this conversation to indicate that maybe there still is another heel turn in Lanfear somewhere down the road. That maybe her and Shamael uh, in this conversation were playing a longer game than maybe what we see unfold this episode. And I don't necessarily buy it, but that's what some people have posited. I'm getting a lot of man, eh, whatever. I, I don't think people are buying <laughs> into that here. Uh, it, we, it, it's it's tough because it's such a different story than the books. Where in the books, uh, my impression of the Forsaken is they're all in it for very long games, and they're sort of playing their own games. And we know what Ashamel's game is. Yeah, we know we know to an extent what Ashamel's game is. We kind of know at least a part of Lanfear's game, um, but it's unclear how dark she wants to be. And also, like that. when things started in the show is very different than the book. So like making a decision on like how long their game is and what their plans are has a very different flavor between the two. And so that's why it's just kind of like looking at what we have in the show. It's hard to be like to bring stuff in from the books and be like, well, this makes any sense for the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that like on this podcast, uh, BJ has like hinted that my, I like Lanfear because she's like a really attractive person. Um, and that like, that's like, that, that's kind of the running joke. Um, and yeah, sure. She's pretty attractive, but like, I have thought since early on that she was actually a good guy. And like, I realized that that thought was a theory. I realized that I could be wrong, right. That I was like swinging for the fences with that. I felt somewhat vindicated in this episode. I don't, I don't feel like a, I don't feel like I can completely start dancing because I feel like the show could still <laughs> switch on me a little bit, which is why yeah. I bring this other theory up about maybe Lanfear not being what she seems. But I felt like what the show was telling us, at least on the surface, this episode is that like she's a she's an open supporter of Rand. She may have yeah. a weird way of going about it that is ethically dubious at times, but we can count her in the Rand column. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of why you know I'm talking about like the differences in the forsaken between the book and the show, because I, I have more trouble separating them than like some other people and less than, you know, some other people, especially online. And so my view of more uh, of Lanfear is much more like Lanfear of the books where she's kind of in Rand's corner for a bit and kind of not, and she she's all she's much more all over the place than than show Lanfear. And so like being able to really divorce that and it's like, no, show Lanfear is fairly clearly in his side of the ring. I mean, she may hit him over the chair head with a chair at some point, but at this right point, now. she's very clearly on his side. Yeah, I, I agree. And and all of my um adulation and support of the Lanfear character is show only the book book Lanfear. <laughs> that's a different story uh, i i have my yeah. own thoughts there but it's different i just so i think go ahead brief sorry uh i guess my thought process on this scene in particular is really where like yes we as viewers get to see that 
that Lanfear has got priorities that are not associated with the dark. But the other really important thing being that we also see in this scene that Ishamael is also being like, ooh, red flags. Lanfear is definitely not playing by my rules in my plan. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this this is the big thing that sets up for the end of the episode where the six Forsaken are free. Yep. So we get the front gates of Falm, heavy fog, army coming, and it's the children. They storm through the gates. Joffrey yells to the tower once he's inside. Uh, Nynaeve is cosplaying a soldom. We have... Uh, before they move, we move on. Yeah. The white cloaks and their censorship. This is just unforgivable. Their censorship? Uh, <laughs> he's... He's having a play on words because they come in swinging censors. Censors? What am I missing? What is the, what so, is this joke? So uh, smoking so, holy symbol thingies. Yeah. So the the thing that they're holding there it um, there are a number of different like there are a couple of different words for them, but like the uh, sort of cages that often have herbs or something else like that that you burn. Like uh, in the Catholic are, Church, are when a when a priest or one of his. Um, acolytes walks down the center of the row with the swinging thing that smokes yep yeah that's a sensor yeah oh okay and you had a you had a play on words you wanted to hit that beat yes <laughs> gotcha. and now we have spent <laughs> full-on 90 yeah, seconds <laughs> I, I never heard that word before sensor to describe that thing that's a that's yeah. a new one for me i'm learning something yeah um I don't think I don't like Nynaeve dressed up as a soldom one darn bit. I want I want her to get off that. That's terrible. Oh, um, I I don't know about the outfit, but the makeup is great. Yeah, like I, she I, is looking I, good. I'm I'm I, it, less than happy with Nynaeve this episode. I wonder if you they're going to carry this through to other things. But it seems like other than the Aes Sedai, uh, knowing that there were powerful women in the room is based on dark eyeliner <laughs> with significant wings. Uh, <laughs> The Isle have it. The Soldam have it. Um, Lanfear has it. Yeah. So like, Lanfear's got. I, I think heavy this makeup. is a good marker. Heavy mm-hmm. on makeup. Yeah. Yeah. She's goth for sure. Um, yeah. I, so then we get Rena and Egwene and uh, Arena and Egwene and like that's really like so when I was growing up, my grandma. I was. I, I grew up in the south. My grandmother had a, a lunch every Sunday that we all had to go to, like after church and after church lunch. And my mom would have the same conversation that Renda's having with Egwene with me, where she would be like, look, what you do in this house is your business. But when we get to grandma's house, you better <laughs> fucking act right. Like, that's kind of what uh, the tone that we're getting from Renda here with Egwene. And Egwene is like not hiding the fact that she's not, she doesn't plan to play nice uh, to the point that they, they Renda puts the, the metal gag in her mouth. But I think that that was going to happen anyway. I think that all of the Damani who were going yeah. up to the tower were going to have that put on them. But it certainly doesn't start this whole interaction particularly well. Yep. Um, and then we get the, I think it's in this scene, uh, the braid. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think we didn't talk about it in last episode because um, we had so many other things to talk about. But it was an interesting uh, return to uh, basics for Egwene because uh, she takes her hair out of the braid when... Uh, she essentially like gives up on the dream of being a wise one and fully commits to being a Sedai and is just like, I've left my past behind. But like when she's looking for something to like steal herself and to hold, hold on, on to, to, like as a, you know, a core, <laughs> uh, uh, something to steal her core, she braids her hair. And so I think this is an interesting, like symbolic uh, thing that like interesting Rena picks up on. Um, 
because this was sort of like a clear change for her. Um, and it also kind of feels like sort of uh, an abandonment of some of the Aes Sedai values of like what you're willing to do for an outcome versus like what Nynaeve is willing to do for an outcome. Yeah. Wait, can you expand on that? Because I didn't, that's, uh, I didn't understand the Aes Sedai coming in there. Yeah. Uh, the Aes Sedai seem a little less violent in terms of like they're, I they're, mean, they're quite literally okay. bound to be less violent. Than yeah. Nynaeve. And so unless you're Moraine, Nynaeve gets real violent real quick. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Seem... Okay. I got that. Sorry. We were on an Egwene scene. Um, and that right. got me. So, so I, I guess I'm interpreting her, like I'm braiding my hair yeah. as a, I'm going to be more like Nynaeve and try and cut somebody rather than like talk my way out of this. Like or, an Aes Sedai would. Yeah. Uh, got it. You know, mm. Yep. Be more like an yeah, I mean, I think that and like then... uh, Egwene certainly interprets her situation with the Sanchin as a threat to my person. I can do whatever yeah. I want to, right? You know, like I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great point. Um, I would like to but break what... some. Get... Go ahead, sir. What What I found so so interesting about this, and you you referenced it, BJ, but like the thing is that Rena actually really does have her finger on the pulse of Egwene in ninety eight percent like 98% of the way. Um, mm-hmm. She has identified what motivates her, um, what's the carrot, what's the stick, uh, and how to do that. Now, I think she has mis- she has underestimated Egwene's power, even as as she has been dealing with it. And she's also underestimated the sort of metal um, that will eventually drive this violence, right? But picking up on the braid, doing, as we've mentioned multiple times, the like soft psychological warfare on... Um, you know, telling her that she's special when she has probably at this point picked up on the fact that no one else actually has. Like, all of that is really, I think it's super fascinating. And I think, Lee, it goes back to the thing we were talking about last episode about, like, what is the actual nature of how Rena is trying to progress this um, this relationship, too? Yeah. Interesting. And, go ahead. I, well, I don't think that there's a whole lot more to be said there other than I think this is a little bit of Rena is um, being the the tiger trainer, and at some point, the tiger is going to eat her face off. Yeah, I mean, I I think we have a little bit of bleed through of book Adam into the show, in terms of like the insight that they get yeah. into the mind of the demonic, yeah. mm. and mm. and it it was never clear, and I. I it was never, I think it was never going to be easily portrayed on on screen without just, like, exposition to the audience. But I feel like we get a little bit of that mm-hmm. in terms of, like, how well Rena can pick up what's important to Egwene. Like, kind of, you know, what she's looking at, what she's thinking, uh, like, in, in the heat of the moment. Well, I think that they actually do that here in the next couple of scenes. Like, well, first we get Padden Fane, who comes in the room with Matt, puts the dagger yeah. out. That's fairly quick. But then we cut to Nynaeve, who's brutalizing a former Soldam and actually says, I can feel her in my mind. It's like a bundle of sensations. All I have to do is push. So, right, they're, they're, you know, they jump to a scene where Nynaeve is explaining to you, mm-hmm. yeah, I can kind of sense what's going on with this person. And Nynaeve, uh, not great in this scene. Not great. She starts, starts sort of torturing the woman. And um, Elaine, shout out Elaine, love Elaine, big Elaine fan over here, um, <laughs> is like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, are you, are you good? <laughs> like, seriously? Um, and then she, the, the, the former um, Soldam is named uh, Sita and Nynaeve 
leans down to Sita and says, I'll make you curse. If you basically, when we go to the tower, if you uh, blow the cover, if the jig, you know, you start yelling for help or doing something I don't like, I'll make you curse the first kiss your mother ever gave your father, which obviously a shout out to Jordan. That's like a, a phrase that Robert <laughs> Jordan uses a lot in the books. So um, mostly by night need, I think. Yeah, it said a lot for sure. Um, she- good. Anything, BJ? So I, I, I like this because I, like, yes, it is, it does not paint Nynaeve in a particularly flattering light, but I think it also shows the the breadth of which Nynaeve is is willing to go. Like, how how bad can Nynaeve be, right? And so hopefully we're going to see now that, you know, even the people that are on the side of the light have more flesh to them, just like the, the people on the dark side. Um, so hopefully that is, that, that is part of where that's going. And, and so I think we get this capacity from Nynaeve to set it up for future seasons. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think it's kind of hard to get a sense of the, the, what, like the, the sort of end of the, um, end of the scale or whatever, like the, Mm-hmm. What's um, the band? What's what's a ten for Nynaeve? I'm I'm unclear about mm-hmm. what is a ten for her. I don't think we've reached it. Yeah. Um. So back to Matt and the dagger. Uh, Pad and Fane is like tempting him and is like, um. Oh, at first we get like some D- Damani walking around and Rand sees them. He's there and he's he's clearly looking for a Gwen. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Matt and the dagger and Pad and Fane's like tempting him and they're doing they're really doing like a um like a drug addict thing with the with the with the dagger. It's very much like he even says like you deserve it which is like the like sort of creeping uh, bad thoughts of like a drug addict. Right. And like um, Matt is kind of, you know, standing firm. It's like, I'm not going to touch it. And I admit, and I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent PJ. This, this Matt season two, Matt uh, really does feel like book Matt to me. Um, maybe more than any of the other characters, uh, he, the way he yeah. acts in this scene and basically the entire rest of the episode, it very much aligns with the, how I feel like the, the book character acts, but he says he's not going to use it. Uh, you're not going to touch it. Shout out, Matt. I love Matt. I am. Um, um, I just so, want to point out that Pod and Fane is not getting a lot of screen time this season, but when he is on screen, I mean, boy, does he pack 10 pounds of lightning in a one pound sack? Like, Ooh, he, and moving man alive <laughs> all kinds yep. of charisma dripping off yep yep yeah he's another character that i think he will be my my image uh on a reread mm-hmm. like oh, he, for sure like the and the whistling the like creepy that, that was never a thing in in the books and and like it will be like in the background in all of his scenes now because that is pot on Fane's music yes that was fantastic um, a fantastic addition so the the last thing that we get in this scene is Padan Fane walking out. And he whistles. And a complete change in Matt. Like, he's, like, laid back, like, nah, it's fine. Like, yeah, like I'm not at all worried about this. And then as soon I as Padan Fane leaves the room, he's just like, oh, God, I do want it. Sure. Pretty bad. Yeah, of course he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, so we're, I think we're, we're meant to worry for our guy Matt there. I had no faith. No faith in Matt. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah, I did I the first feeling, but now that now that I've now that I have book Matt in my head, I'm like, yeah, he'll, he'll be good. He's fine. Uh, yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna crush this. Yeah, but they don't they don't set this uh, show Matt up as a very resilient character. Yeah. No, you know he's pretty much failed at everything that he set his mind to. It's starting to go, it's starting to be the upswing here in the finale <laughs> of season two. He's starting to get a little better, I think. It's a little bit better yeah. this episode, just a little. 
he's uh, really spearheading his uh, return to grace. Boy, she says, cut to <laughs> Moraine and Lan on the beach. He's bringing up the bond. She's like, you really want it back? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, I don't know about that. And he's like, look, you're pretending. You're afraid. Uh, you don't want me to know. And he says this. You don't want me to know that you feel weak, unprepared, overwhelmed. And you can just see like the barriers just breaking on Moraine as he says it. And he's like, because then you'll have to face it yourself. Um, and I think that that's a, a very fair, like he, it's very um, insightful of him to point that out to Moraine. And it's like probably the only person who could say it to him and it would really, or say it to her and it would really get to her. But I think that's a fair read on the Moraine character is at this point in the story, she's, she, she's committed to supporting Rand to ensuring that Rand lives to fight the dark one in the final battle. But she mm-hmm. doesn't know how to get there. She's she's kind of she has a bunch of background knowledge. She's very learned. She's she's prepared for this, but she doesn't know how we're going to get from A to Z at all. And this I is, mean, hell, she just got booted out of a way gate by a forsaken who ran off with Rand. Who was a who was going to kill things her? Things are not Rand going well. If Rand hadn't yeah, right. jumped in front and, of her, he was going to kill her. Yeah, right. And also got told by her, uh, by the Amaralyn and and oh yes, by her, her lover. That, you know, what have you been doing? He, like, he's... Completely not ready. Yeah, he, he's basically Untrained. useless right No now. better than he was, yeah. And, so has to and make also, a question, yeah. Yeah, and also got kind of the reveal that, like, she... Ex- I think she expected more from Swan. And so, like, she's also without the support of the White Tower. Yeah. Yep, she is completely rogue now. Yeah, for all that... All the all good, all good that does you, support of the White Tower... Yeah, great. <laughs> Fucking White Tower supports me. I appreciate that. That's going to help a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I love the whole conversation. Um, it was just rigging. The whole time I was watching, it was ringing in my ears. BJ saying on the pod, they're doing Moraine and Land Dirty. They're doing Moraine and Land Dirty. And I was thinking, oh, man, they, I, think they, I think they swung. They turned They turned on a dime, I think, here and, and got these two back. Simpatico. She does drop the line. The only reason I was able to say that you're not my equal is that I've always known one thing to be true since the first day we met. You've always been my better. I got to disagree with that, Moraine. <laughs> I, I like Land, but uh, I don't think he's your better. Uh, Land is affected by that, though, and he has to be let back in, and she does it. And there we go. We get these two back together again. Yep. Um, I, I do think that they're, like, pulling stuff from the books here um, because Land has another name that people call him. And, Alain Mondragon? Uh, in the books. Uh, the Golden Crane? Like where are you going with this? Ah, the man. The the one the the singular man who's fighting against the shadow, basically. Mm. And so uh, that feels like something that she's pulling. That like he's like all of the mythos around Lan is so great uh, in the books, and we do see hints of it in the show that uh, he's the golden crane the the last of the Malkir, like all of those things and that could be like filling into like her saying this Hmm. um and Mm -hmm. you know that that basically he is a one-man battle against the shadow bj always interpreting the Aes Sedai for us always working out how they're lying not lying going beat by beat i like that yeah i don't i don't i didn't i I don't know i felt like that was a line they threw in because it's television but yeah i well yeah yeah. absolutely because you know there's going to be somebody who's going to be like but wait they didn't fix the whole issue about him feeling like he was less than her yeah uh, yeah he is though just yeah my my vote (laughs) like let's just be (laughs) real he's 
he can't sink. I do appreciate nine ships. though that Jordan did not have the relationship with Moraine and Land be sexual in this because I know that it we we get some of that with the Greens, but by giving us such a a, a shining example like right in our face of how the Warder Isidai relationship works in this way, it, it doesn't fall into the trope of like bodyguard sex life like because it could very easily if he would have allowed that like but but the Moraine Land dynamic i think elevates the um the warder i said i relationship to something more interesting to me yeah, yeah. uh back to farm city's in panic oh shit everything's going down white cloaks running through um we see the spear maidens walking through with perrin they see loyal shout out loyal he's always killing it he looks great this episode they too. were looking for him to be fair it's fantastic mm-hmm. and igtar and masima and they have the horn and they go to leave. But Loyal's like, we am not leaving. And Iktar's like, uh, bro, but the whole point of being here is to get this thing to Rand. Uh, it will sound the heroes of yesterday and, you know, we'll win the last battle. And he goes, what of the heroes of today? That is what we are. We are the heroes of another age's legend. I think it's time we start acting like it. And wow, that was a sentence. That was fantastic from Loyal. It's one of my favorite parts of the episode. They're all cheering. They're just on mute. You can't. You can't we, <laughs> we're just overwhelmed by yep. you. Have, you have given us nothing to Amazing. disagree with, Lee. <laughs> yep. He rules. I think there's an interesting thing about how they acquired the horn. I don't know if you wrote that down, Lee. Stole it? Yeah, but who helped them with it? Mm, no, tell me. There was a lady from Karhain. Okay. I did notice oh. that. Yeah. Lady from Karhain. What? Could that be? What lady from Could that be Lanfear? Karhain. <laughs> Is that Lamphere's music? That's My how top she differential. Des- that's how she describes herself in the books, and at, you know, they she spent a lot of time in Carhain in, in the show. So. Yeah, I, I wonder. I think, I think I'm gonna, I'm willing to give. Yeah, let's go ahead and make a canon. Yeah, sure. I think that's right. She did that. I wonder what her Hornavalier steal, stealing outfit is. Um, you know, she's got. Uh, I think that's I mean, when she, she went, looks like Sanchez. I think that's when she changed from the white blouse to the black coat. She needed to be sneaky. I'll bet it was oh, like okay. super. I bet be, it was like could a, be a hoodie for doing crimes. I bet it was know. like <laughs> Princess Leia Jabba's palace. I think that she had to like she had to like you know fit in with these like really um, what is the word when people are like uh, they just like to to ingest and take uh, things like these are very absorb. Yeah, these are very uh, the Sanchin. They're they're. Um, I'm oh. losing. Oh, they're sponge like. I don't. Uh, no, no, no. But, but hedonistic. Uh, they're hedonistic uh, people. Caligula. They're very hedonistic people. So I think she had to fit in somehow with them. I think she had to, she had to go undercover with yeah. the Shanshin. Got um, it. You don't think that she just sort of like walked through them a little bit like she did at the foregate and just blasted them out of her she way? She very well could have, but I think the concern there. There's enough crazy enough going on. I think the concern there is that uh, Lady Seroth does have like ten demane that she like. Oats. Yeah, like you don't. You I think know, somebody would have noticed. Yeah, but aren't they busy? You gotta, have a, you gotta have a watch on where those are at all times. Uh, didn't Lanfear talk to Suroth in mm. previous episode? And it's just like there are other. I don't remember that? I, I only remember a Shamael making that up. Okay, talking to her. Yeah. One thing I will say: I, don't think we ever seen I do know either. that Lanfear did not wear her um, like very. Nordstrom workwear outfit that she was wearing talking to Ishamael earlier. Yes. <laughs> that would no, not apply. Nice I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't think that was, I think she was dressing down because she was trying to get Ishamael to think, you know, she's like, she, she steers men really well 
you know, she dresses down. So he's not like, you know, thinking about other things, you know, I think that was well, very this, this struck part. me as the, the conversation that we were having about like, perhaps she still has some of her clothes from the second, the second age. The second age. Yeah. And this had like actually a pretty similar vibe to me from that uh, jumpsuit she was wearing last episode. Right. Yeah. I think that's what she would like to wear. The second age feels, the feels like they feels like they probably had athleisure in the second age. I feel pretty confident in saying they had athleisure in the second inch. I mean, she's a little athleisure in those outfits. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it, right. This one was a little I mean, more it, formal, but like it's still, it was very clearly like a wrinkle-free knit. And it's power brought. So like it, it, it's the best. Yeah. Robert Jordan will put that in one of the and books. And you know it has stain repellent. <laughs> yes. Jordan will put that in one of the books. One of our characters will see like an artifact and be like, I just have an image of a really overpriced sweatpant in a really uppity, nice part of Manhattan. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's what it is. All right. I got it. We're connecting oh to our world now. So, yes. some, some iteration will have uh, Lululemon instead of Hey, can exactly. I break Mercedes. some news to everybody real quick? Um, the of course. Actor, the actor strike has ended. So that's really Ooh. good. So that doesn't okay. affect this show. This show, I, I think, was filmed out of the UK. And so I think they were, they've were they been filming season three. So I, I think we're going to get season three on a normal schedule. I don't think it affected this show. But some of the other shows that we cover on Mangum Talks Podcast Network were very much affected by the actor strike. So very cool that that mm-hmm. seems to be over. And we can get some additional seasons of additional shows we cover on Mangum cool. Talks. Um, nice. Okay. Huzzah. Yeah. Huzzah. I'm excited. Anyway. Okay. So the lady. Anyway. <laughs> who may or may not be Lanfear. Yes. So somebody helped seal the horn. Yeah. So. Cool. Great. Unsure if there's a horn stealing outfit. Yeah. Uh, we have thoughts I, though. I do know that the horn scurrying outfit, the person who is scurrying the horn around, <laughs> Loyal, is fucking dope. Loyal looks good all the time. All the time, uh, and he also get. I, th- I, I think he's still in the Shanshan, uh yeah. which actually yeah. looks good. Like I don't. I, this is a yeah. look for him. I uh, think that he and Nynaeve yeah. should keep the looks they're rocking now, and the, we'll yeah. just move right on. The O gear makes the clothes. The clothes oh, don't make the O gear. I can hear Loyal <laughs> saying that, which is not. Yeah, you can hear Perrin groan too, just the same yes. way he groaned. Yes, I, I have. <laughs> Become uh, one with Perrin's responses, correct? <laughs> and we see the Domani uh, strike, and it's not great. When uh, a bunch of people Ooh. who have the ability to uh, use the power, use it in this way, you can see why it, there was a lot of societal pressure on the Aes Sedai um, to take an oath that they will not do this, because this is pretty frightening. They're just shooting fireballs and just throwing shit and destroying everything. Not great. Uh, Gwen does a little bit of it. She kind of throws, I think she throws a fireball, like not at somebody. And then she, Rena is not happy with her. And, or no, at this point, Rena is like beaming, like super happy, but Egwene is yeah. not mm-hmm. pleased with everything she's seen. Yeah. Yeah. I think she does a decent job of capturing her enjoyment with using the power and like blowing some stuff up mm-hmm. with, being in her role as Damane and you like, cause I think in the moment that she throws that big fireball and I think it's at the, uh, it's at white, the white cloaks, cloaks. Yeah. that she's like, I could do that. I did something like that mattered. Oh, fuck you guys up. And then she also gets a good girl and that just I'm g- shame. Disgust. Me, can I, yeah. can I say something to you, BG? as a co-chair of the Egwene haters committee uh, with you? Uh, this might not be the best episode to take shots at Egwene. I feel like the Egwene <laughs> crowd feel very validated this episode. I feel like Egwene had a strong episode. 
I, I, I'm not trying to take shots. I'm just saying, like, these are interesting things that the character was going through, like, in this. Little bit of shots. Little bit of shots with the, with the good girl. I mean, she deserves every, every shot that, that is, I mean. (laughs) Well, that was from Renna, not from. She can take all of them. She's got a shield. Uh, You know, she, she does best when she's being abused. So. Oh my gosh. What a, what a wow! Thing to yeah, say about nobody really isolate that. Jesus Christ! What, what a tough thing to say <laughs> about our, our girl. Good who, Lord, who has an extremely strong episode. I, I must say that. But, but so I do think that that's to go back to the her nailing the white cloaks with the fireball. Like you do hear the white cloaks running through the streets and saying, "Kill the witches." Mm-hmm. And Egwene shoots a look like, "Are you fucking kidding me? These people." Yeah, they all right. You know what? Yeah, I I am actually going to use my fire. And she has a history with the white cloaks, right? From season one. Hey, Sarah, did you see? Did you see how how great a team they were? BJ said something like kind of sketchy, and then she jumped in and like immediately moved along. Like that's I did. That's a teammate situation right there. Yeah, we can we can work on that. I liked it. That's fine. (laughs) I say something dumb. Make sure to jump in. Okay. We're just moving on. I'm going to just call you out on it, Lee. I don't know what to tell you. Damn it. Uh, Then we have my probably my. I keep saying it. Uh, my favorite scene of the episode, uh, Turok walks out and he's like, I'm a, I'm a blade master. I'm, I'm the best. Uh, watch what, watch me roll. Even with hmm. the long fingernails, he was getting ready to do it. Now, in the book, there's a, a similar scene. And the explanation is that the fingernails don't get in the way of him being a master swordsman. And I think they display that visually here. I didn't get the impression that his fingernails were going to stop him from kicking ass with that sword. The impression I did get though, is that he was not ready for God to be in front of him. And uh, just fire off and kill them all very quick. I think there's some complaints from the book that this scene happened the way it did. To me, it made sense. Um, I don't think there had been any buildup for Rand to do any sort of sword fight or physical fight yeah. with mm-hmm. him. I think that would have been so much It would worse. not have been believable yeah. for the show. Yeah. And But it is believable yeah. that he, he would get very upset about how mm-hmm. Egwene has been treated mm-hmm. and channel and strike out and we know that he has this immense power so that that part was believable to me i actually liked how they did it but i know there was some chatter online about people not liking this scene yeah i would have liked it a little bit better if he had done something with the power like a little bit more with the power before because he used essentially what we're led to believe later in the episode is a fairly advanced weave um and there doesn't seem to be a reason for it and there 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 could be very good in-world reasons that he's able to do that, but this felt to me a little bit out of left field. Um, and but I am very much here for the Indiana Jones vibes. I that, wish, that was and fun. I, I wish it so hard that like maybe we can all four just decide it happened. <laughs> that they gave us one or two more scenes of Rand showing up in the morning yes. to work and getting in, in with Logan and Logan saying, "Okay, you ready for the lesson today?" We only needed like two of those 15 second scenes to give us an idea that Loghain was teaching him some of these weaves. I agree with you, BJ. Like it, yeah. it's a mm-hmm. pretty advanced thing that it seems to be doing. And like, if he, if he can do that, then it's like, well, why don't you just do it all the time? Right? Like, um, I wish we had seen Loghain teaching him a little bit more. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think I if I, my memory serves, the only real teaching scene we saw with Loghain was like, feel the power. No, too <laughs> yeah. much. No, too much. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, the other thing that I, and and like I think you bring up a really good point, Lee, of like why don't you do this all the time? And I'm curious what they'll do with it because Rand kills a lot of people, and Book Rand is not super cool with he people dying. Some, yeah. Uh, Show Rand seems to so far 
be okay with be it. Be a lot more okay with it. And so, um, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, this being a little bit more of a grimdark version, but, like, uh, with him having this power seemingly, you know, readily at his command, it'll be interesting to see where he... He didn't even check to make sure none of those soldiers were female. Yeah, he doesn't like killing Probably. women. That's that's a big thing in the book. Yeah. He really doesn't like... That's a big really thing in the like books, and books. We don't see anything yeah. as... And honestly, I think that that... If you're going to take something away from Rand's character, that's a... There's some... Like, it, it's, it has some problematic aspects of it that are um, sexist in nature that I think this show would do better to steer away from. Given how, in, how intense he is about yeah, it. Yeah, how intense like, he is about it. And it's very preferentially women-driven. Yeah, he's real... All the way. Intense. I mean, like, it, it has some ramifications down the line that are interesting, but, like, it's, it's rough. Well, it's, yeah, it's, you know... Robert Jordan grew up in Charleston uh, in the South. Right. And I'm sure that like this concept of like, you don't, you don't hurt women, you know, you take care of women was embedded in him. So Mm -hmm. he gave that to Rand. The interesting part though, is that he's in a world full of women who could kick his ass. So it's like, it's kind of a strange thing for him to be latching onto. Um, I did bemoan on this podcast that I wanted to see uh, signs of Rand's strength. So they did mm -hmm. give me that. I did want to say that like, I'm happy there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the cool things uh, for your reading, and, and I guess everybody watching too, is that um, Jordan wrote each of the three main characters as sort of different aspects of himself. Mm, um, interesting. And that the other thing that that becomes more heavy and more eye roll from Bree there. Heavy eye roll. I just <laughs> wanted everybody to know that. They I'm just that. thinking about the the amount of time that the boys spend being like oh so and so is so much better than me at Women. getting girls <laughs> yeah. uh, they yeah, all that, three that all three of them say. think that the yeah, other it, one is it better. just rotates around yeah, they all think the other one's better um, and the only one they can and the other get really brand because uh, he's god he's chosen and yeah. boy does he ever um and so the other thing that i was going to bring up is that boy uh, howdy he was <laughs> a i think helicopter gunner in vietnam yeah. um and so yeah uh, the like a lot of the stuff that he saw and and probably how he processed uh, the war where like you know who you're killing uh, and you know what you see has an impact and and so him growing up in in Charleston having some a lot of those views and also probably viewing women pretty much always as non-combatants and so having those things happen uh, in conjunction are probably like a lot of what informs how Rand deals with uh, death. So I do wonder if they're going to move it towards more looking at killing combatants versus non-combatants or people that are purposely trying to kill him versus not, because the only person that he leaves standing when he kills all of these people is the voice who is the only one overtly not in armor. Yeah. Doesn't have weapons, doesn't have armor. Doesn't have weapons, doesn't have armor. I guess that's a wakazashi yeah, okay, I took whatever. that. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you made so that. So I point. don't know if that's where that's gonna go. Yeah. They weren't. He wasn't fight. Um, that guy wasn't gonna fight Rand, so he didn't kill him. Yeah, I right. think that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that like even inherently like sighting and side are being like a male touches magic one way and female touches magic another way. I think that like <laughs> there's probably some people who have real issues with that. Um, so you know, if that's a problem for you, then might might be the story for you. But I, I agree with you that I, I, w- I would like Rand to leave behind the whole, like, I have to take care of women notion. 
but I, I wouldn't want that to dissuade someone from reading the book who doesn't have an otherwise problem with the series because that that concept of Rand like wanting to take care of women or not hurt women or whatever, Robert const- Jordan constantly tips that on its head and makes fun of it and does different things and plays with it a little bit in the books, I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, well, and it yeah. really gets Rand into a lot of difficult situations, right? Because it's like, there are so many women, as you stated, Lee, that are much more powerful than him and are very willing to kick his ass, to kill and or murder others. And so, like, it, it actually puts him at a major disadvantage. Yeah. Um, it's quite a problem for him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I wonder if they're going to swap that out for he doesn't want to kill anyone who is not overtly targeted at fighting yeah, him. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, Cut Perrin and his group coming in. They get attacked by Sanshin and Igtar works to hold them off, but is eventually killed. The rest of the group leaves, including Masima, who watches Igtar die. Cut to Moraine walking with Lan. She tells him it feels like she's running without buckets on her back. Um, you're thinking about Lanfear. Lan says he wants to know why Shamil only woke her. And Moraine's like, I don't know. The other ones suck a lot. I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> and she says that. Everything she's read is that before the War of the Shadow, Lanfear, Shamael, and Luz were inseparable. And Lan makes the connection just like these kids. And I think that shakes Moraine a little bit. That mm-hmm. connection to Luz, Lanfear, Shamael, and to, you know, Perrin, Matt, Egwene, Nynaeve, uh, Rand. It shook me a little when he said that. Um, yeah. Like drawing that connection. Yeah. Different. Just a pattern. Just the wheel. It's like yep. you know, constant, constant mm-hmm. theme of the show. Cut to Master uh, Doman, and uh, mm-hmm. he do no understand so good why she do no want be in city as when war do be happening with <laughs> by with his do, aged grandmother. Do. That is a terrible impression. Uh, with wow. do of Lanfear do. Uh, yeah, that's how that guy talks. It's a little difficult to understand in the book sometimes. <laughs> that is sometimes. not how that guy talks. Oh, that is so painful. He, he do no understand so good. Yeah, I don't know. That's close enough. No. Yeah. What? Tell me how that's wrong. He understands very well. It's just, yes, he adds a, a, a few doobies in there, but <laughs> it's not. Doobie, 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 yeah, I think doobie. y'all were so. But, I think y'all were so uh, flummoxed by me doing doing his syntax that you didn't hear what I was actually saying. So I was actually explaining that he didn't understand why Landfear was in the city, why Celine was in the city, um, while war is happening, um, and Landfear's like, sure, yes, he's he's maybe not the yeah. The well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't. I mean, how the hell is he supposed to know it's a forsaken? I mean, I mean he's also just like a, a riverboat captain that, that right. sees some, some lady that he's bought uh, treasures of the a last of, age from. Right. So. <laughs> and then she's like, hey, I got some more stuff for you. And he's like, oh, really? I wasn't prepared for how much how, how much love for Master Demond there is here. <laughs> like this fucking guy, you guys love him. Like I took a, like a half a shot at him, and I got I, sure do. I, I took, I'm, taking, I'm taking blows here. Yeah, I mean, I I, I never he, he do be a great. Character. I never yeah, I never do. do be saying that he was bad. I I never said that that guy um, <laughs> should have known that it was Landfear. I, I, how is he supposed to know? Um, and he seems reasonable enough. Uh, you know, he did get kind of schooled by Moraine a little bit, but. Yeah, he seems fine. Lanfear's telling he's him he's an honest captain, Lee. Yeah, okay. I, he's just trying to make his way in the world. If you, uh, Bree's favorite character here, uh, Lanfear tells him a plan. He does get chased by Trollocs and he gets away from them. I mean, I don't know what to he tell keeps. You. A, yeah, he. She tells him, "Take, I got some stuff. I want you to take in the middle of the sea and throw them out." I immediately connected that to the seals that she was going to uh, mm-hmm. put the seals uh, in his in his care to dump in the middle of the sea, and then maybe she'd never have to see any other forsaken again. 
And that seemed to be the plan. Good to Shamael, who has dust on his hands. Y'all see that? He has the dust on his hands. He's shaking the yeah. dust. I didn't really love that. Because I think the implication mm-hmm. I think the implication here is that he had just broken the seals and that's why he has dust on his hands. But like it would seem to me that he would mm. he would break the seals with the power, not like with a chisel and a hammer. Like so I didn't love it. He's a physical man. I don't know what to tell you. Mm. Talks to Lady Seraph. Willing to get his hands dirty. Lady Seraph's upset and she wants to go have the glory. She informs him that Turok is dead, which sort of jars the Shamayel a little bit, and he basically says, I need you to get all of you Damani, get him on a ship, uh, and and he verifies that they can gentle him in. Yep. Cuts a mat who gets a pole, ties the dagger to the end of it, effectively making a spear. My question, is this supposed to be, is this supposed to stand in for the spear that Matt has in the books? Is this what we're getting now? Okay. So you remember how, when we were texting about this finale, when we just had watched it and we were frustrated about things and you're like, I don't, you know, this is a, this was a fun episode. This is, this is where, everybody's worried that this is what he's going to get. And it mm. is a really poor stand-in. Yeah. Um, so the so sort of everybody is hoping that this is like a, he'll get something in the future and it'll not be this, uh, a dagger tied to a stick. <laughs> and it's not even like I, what frustrates me is the way that he uses this dagger stick combination. Like, Everybody knows when you tie two things together like that, like it is not stable. This absolutely should not work the way that it works for him. And it like it frustrates me to no end that that is that is a decision that they made. It's like a lightsaber. It's fine. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting to me what functionally. I think this is a poor choice. It's interesting to me what what makes you what what gets you all upset, like uh, the the seal thing and him having dust on his hands from the seal, which would make no sense. Yeah. Yeah, Y'all didn't give a shit about that. But this like the the tying of the dagger. We're the physics of the. I'm trying to figure I'm trying to keep up here. I don't know what we're supposed to be upset about. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I don't. I mean, how good. I don't know. I definitely have a lot of experience with trying to tie two sticks together and it not working well. I do sticks to How many how many are you do how many times have you done this and under what circumstances? Uh, I don't know. I like I just She wasn't able to stab people with it afterwards without a I think apart. this might be like a you know, as a as a child, like you try to make things and like I remember building sure. um like little yeah. tents out of sticks in my backyard and tying sticks together to make poles and it doesn't work. For the record, I was not questioning you on the the conclusion that you have drawn. I was simply <laughs> looking for contextual information on yep. no, how I you think, came I to that. This is, yeah. Here's my here's my theory uh, about what's going on here is that the the spear that Matt has in the book is so iconic and badass and cool that he and, and like the mm. Matt character excels so much. Um, when he has it and there, there's just so many good memories of that for book readers that when they fuck that up, that really upsets people. I think, I think that, and I think yeah, that's, that's fair. That feels, that feels right. Yeah. But also he could have just had a quarter staff. Like, why does it have to be a crappy pole with a well, dagger it, on the end of he's it? He's social distancing Preach. from <laughs> by the dagger's power. Yeah. I, I mean, because, because Letting they the made dagger this dagger, the they made the dagger a different dagger from the books and then they decide to use it to get into the horn of a And so like they, they sort of made a Chekhov's gun out of it and then had to use it. So like, 
they sort of back their, <laughs> themselves into this weird corner. It, it's fine. Whatever. We don't like it around here. I can I can tell the it mood. It does not seem that we do. <laughs> I can tell the mood. Look at that. Um, very, very unhappy about this. Yeah, I don't like it either, to be honest with you. I'm not that far... Um, you know, into the books, I'm like, what, in fifth, fifth book five, but like, I know enough of Matt's journey to not like the, that they didn't nail that landing. Like, that's a, that's a pretty important thing for him. So cut to the fireballs being thrown into the city by the, uh, Damani and Egwene is watching and hesitating. Rena tells her again, but Egwene just shakes her head. No, Rena's is about to, I can't tell if she's going to cut her hands off or what she's going to be doing. But, uh, anyway, um, she comes up to her and then we see, Rita, Nynaeve, and Elaine walking through the city. It's a fucking mess. The whole city's a disaster. They're late to the party. We hear the catapults. One hits the tower, tosses all the Dabani all everywhere. So anything about that scene? Mm -hmm. Those scenes? Nope. I do think one interesting thing, to go back to Matt coming out of the room um, after he's gone through the lock, Fane's on the other side, and Fane is scared. Yeah, he really is. Fane runs. Mm -hmm. Like, we very rarely see Fane be this sort of discomfited in a situation. And also he's the one who tortured that fade. So like we have an idea that he's supposed to be, um, you know, fairly strong evil character. And he flees when he sees what Matt has done with the dagger. I think that's interesting. I'm not sure that that's quite what I would have expected from Fane's character, but it happened. And I think it, it signifies that, that Fane is very concerned about sure. the dagger. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Cut to the board holds as they walk. Uh, Joffrey is yelling for the people of Falm to fight with them. Send the slavers back where they came from and they fight. More shots to the city. My girl Elaine is struggling. Struggling. Not doing well. Rita's shot in the neck uh, instead of hiding or creating a shield with the power or any of the normal things you would expect people to do after someone in your company gets shot in the neck with an arrow. They stand there. And of course, <laughs> uh, Elaine gets shot in the thigh immediately after. I didn't love that, if you could tell. She used to be an inventor until she took an arrow to the knee. Is there any, can I, somebody explain, what, what was the point of Elaine taking an arrow to the knee? Like, it, what does that, what purpose does that serve? To show, at all? I think it was. Nynaeve's complete yeah, that, lack like, of confidence. Nynaeve yeah. was blocked and couldn't do okay, anything. Right. Yeah. Um, and I guess it was supposed to sort of highlight that she can rely on being a, a wisdom healer. Uh, and that can be helpful. Uh, no. Except she did it wrong. So I, I actually think this was I, I, I don't know what would have made this very powerful. I think there's a potential that this whole sequence with Nynaeve could have been very powerful in a like this is a particularly traumatic time for Nynaeve. Yeah, because you see her when when the the soldom who is wearing the collar, when the soldom suddenly dies, you see Nynaeve sort of get rocked. And and I could see that. Having someone who is linked to you acutely die in that fashion could really, you know, like really have set Nynaeve off, off her normal, off kilter, as it were. And so she's not able to channel because, and she's scared and she's got her block and now she's completely useless. What it ends up being is very frustrating, I think, for us as an audience to watch because it's like, what the hell, Nynaeve, like this is completely like you're you are now useless yeah and you have no like there's no recovery by the end of the episode yeah i think the key there is what you called out that it's frustrating as the audience to watch because we they've demonstrated her power like a lot in the show Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, it's frustrating that she can't do something as simple as heal, heal like an arrow wound. When we saw her heal like a, a cave full of people, a cave full of dead people, basically. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was tough to, to watch. And she is frustrating this episode. So I, yeah. So yeah. I just wonder if there was a way to like emphasize how much being linked to someone who dies really, you know. There was a rough kilter. Yeah. Really damages your psyche. Like that could have been a way to. Doesn't damage your way. It Egwene's made of sterner stuff. Then this naive? is an episode. <laughs> this two. is an episode that is. Um, I think Egwene just went through the through the forge. Nynaeve would be upset hearing that. She got some cold shots. She'd be very mad hearing Egwene is made of sterner stuff than her. She'd be tugging on her braid and putting her arms under her Swinging breast her and skirts. doing all the things that Robert Jordan said that Egwene did all the time. Uh, or Nynaeve did all the time. Uh, Sarah, you had something? All of them. I was just going to say that this is an episode that is like a particularly um, invested in showing and thinking about what happens, like what happens in death when you are connected to someone in some way. Like we get that in multiple instances in multiple different ways. And I, um, you know, to that conversation we were having at the beginning about um, the uh, the mirrored scenes at beginning and, and end this feels like a finale in that we are getting a lot of like mirrored scenes um, and sequences in, in different places too, um, which I think is, mm-hmm. is super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Get to the top of the tower, all the demonia laid out. The queen's still alive. She climbs out from behind some of the rubble, crawls over. We have Perrin walking through the city with some troops. Uh, Matt runs up. They think it's like they're, they're going to fight. A couple things happen here. One is that when uh, we get a, a cool little sequence, when they think, um, Perrin and his group think that it's people like Shanshin are coming to attack them. The uh, the Aiel women sh- uh, shield their face, right? Put their put their face shield up. I think it's an important thing to note. And then Matt runs up. It's a great, wonderful reunion. He explains to them that Rand is still alive. Uh, Rand has shit hair, but he is still alive. <laughs> and uh, they have a little reunion. Then we get the... So I do have a little bit of a question about this. They don't actually, or maybe I'm confused or I missed something, but they don't know that Rand is here, do they? Like, they shouldn't no. know. No, they don't. They don't know. And that's why when Matt is like, he says something like, because I think Perrin goes, we need to go get Egwene. And Matt goes, Rand's got her. And Perrin's like, say who? Who? What? what? <laughs> and then he has to explain like, oh, yeah, Rand's here and he's alive. Right. Mm-hmm. But how does Matt know that he's here? Because Rand was basically the last to arrive. Um, musta, musta. It's a good question. How does he know? Lanfear told him. <laughs> Did he see him on the way out? Maybe I, uh, saw him in the palace somewhere because that's where Rand's sneaking about. Some rainbow colors. I, I, I think it was Lan. Like, I think if you want to know what's going on behind the scenes in in this whole fight, it's Lanfear. I don't know that Lanfear talked to sure. Matt though. That's that, that seems like a stretch. Uh, maybe Ishamel told him. Yeah, maybe Ishamel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Shamael might have told him. Or yeah. maybe Fane did. But Shamael didn't know yeah. until the beginning of this episode yeah. when Lanfear told him. Well, Lanfear has talked right. to Matt before. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not sure he... She yeah. Had, uh, yeah, I don't know. Bree, you might have you might have found a little plot hole here. I don't think we have it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just have, a, have yeah, it in here. How do they know he's here? <laughs> we have yeah. a good answer here. I think you might have found something. Um, I'll tell you a scene I didn't love, but I, I guess I know why they did it. it was this thing with <laughs> Rena and Egwene. And in essence, I can try to explain this, but it seems like um, Egwene is able to now segment her mind in such a way that she can grab something that she will use as a weapon on Rena later. 
but she's able to, in the moment of grabbing it, I guess, convince her mind that she's not using it as a weapon. Because if she was thinking that she was going to use it as a weapon, she wouldn't be able to grab it, which we saw from the picture. So I guess it's Egwene has, um, you know, been able to to learn how to to shut her thoughts off, segment her her thoughts in such a way, so she's able to grab the the Adam and put it on the neck of Rena. And the big reveal here is that the the Soldom, the people who have the leash for the uh, mm-hmm. Damani, mm-hmm. they actually can channel too. They just are bad. They're just like not as good. Uh, they're not very powerful. But they have the ability to channel too. That's why the Adam works on them. And then we have this like weird Adam standoff where they both have the collar on and Egwene lifts her up. And while lifting her up, she's going to feel the same thing. But I think what they wanted to show you is that, you know, Egwene is tough and she's, you know, she's dug in and she's able to handle this pain on her neck much longer than Rena can. Rena gives up, frees mm-hmm. Egwene. Egwene watches her die just like she said she would. I got thoughts on this scene, but that's kind of the summary. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. It yeah. felt to me like um, they really wanted to get to the line that Rand says later, which is, I came to save you, but it looks like you didn't need it. I think they're very weary of woman in trouble, man's got to go help. Like they don't want Rand to be the white knight all the time. Right. And so they yeah. concocted this or matter parent. They concocted this situation where Egwene was able to do it herself. But I don't think to me that it was so hard to follow the rules of the Adam and like what she was allowed to do and when and how. I think most people were probably confused on that. I think it would have been much cleaner and easier to understand if one of the gang, it doesn't have to be Rand, but someone came and helped her, but they had to have Egwene do it on her own. They were, they were very, they were really interested in that. Yeah. And that felt forced to me. I mean, it could have been Elaine or Nynaeve because like that's what they've been doing for the past like three or four episodes. Right. They've been trying to figure so, out the yeah. Adam. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I, know. I think I, sorry to cut you off, BJ. I don't, I mean, I, I thought it was like, I don't, I think my, my read on this scene is it ain't that deep. Um, is that we were looking for the emotional outlet of they've set this up for multiple episodes of it is Egwene and Rena, and like that's the battle they're dealing with and Egwene has to do this. We we get that. Um, like that was what had to happen narratively. There was nothing like it would not have been satisfying to me as a watcher if somebody else came in and helped with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think whenever you're on the side of it ain't that deep with a fantasy show, you're going to have some people on the other side say it. I, well, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's like <laughs> the way you have to interpret it, but I do think that this was a sort of like a catharsis for a lot of viewers and like it was meant to be a cathartic moment. Right. Um, right. And there was so much buildup with Rena as an abuser of yes, Wayne yeah. that to see that flipped on its head, yeah. I think was a very, very strong moment for Egwene, was a very strong moment for a lot of viewers to see, is the way in which they got there a little, maybe hopeful. It's a little suspect, too. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, But I think that there is, like, there is a way to to read and experience this scene that is not, like, it... It is it is literally just about the emotions that we are getting from this scene. And I was I was happy to take it like that. Um, Right. I was happy to put and up I my hands and I do think that 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 was well acted by, you know, Egwene and Rena 
their actresses. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a very strong, like, you could see Egwene was like, I will dig deep. I will find every last bit of resolve I have to last longer than her and make her, you know, mm-hmm. end this, mm-hmm. free me. And then, no, fuck you. You tortured me. You will die. Yeah. I told you. So I think that was that was well done. I think the way in which they did it, like, it makes it a little bit problematic because the rules seem to be a bit confusing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just got the explanation from Sarah. It was like, basically, you you, you wanted the emotion of the scene and you hand wave the rules to get there. And, like, maybe some people are cool with that. That's not how I experience, like, fantasy, the medium. Like, I, I get frustrated when we hand wave the rules to get to a certain place. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it just didn't work for me, but maybe it worked for other people. I don't know. Um, I, I totally take your point that, like, it could be a cathartic moment for people um, seeing her... Yep. Um, you know, yeah, Gandalf it away. Well, and to, I mean, to be fair, we have been like we have been complaining about the hand waving of specifically how the Adam works uh, the entire time that we've had these sequences. So, right. like to me, it wasn't also it also wasn't like a new thing that it was inconsistent. Right, right. It yeah. also really amuses me that the Adam collar took a lot longer to peer on Rena's I, than any other. The Adam collar also on. has so a weak. like. A sense of suspense. Uh, yeah, the, it's it's got just, its dramatic beats that it's going to hit. Yeah, <laughs> Lee thinks it was running through her bloodstream like, trying to trying to count the medical hit the, 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 hit, the, yes, yes, exactly. It doesn't, doesn't appear when you expect it to. Mm-hmm. It appears at the right time, precisely, precisely when it means I, to. Look at the. I probably wouldn't have attacked this scene from the same angle if we didn't get the line from Rand saying, "I came to save you, but it looks like you didn't need it." That was that just. Well, felt, I mean. Ugh, that felt hokey to me, um, and I just I, when I when they gave when they put that line in, I thought, oh, that, I think I see what they, they were doing. The sort of like, Egwene can do it on her own, and she doesn't need anybody's help. And it's like, well, okay, but like, you know, there are the, her entire friend group was trying to help her. Like, it would be okay to have a a payoff that your friends have your back when you get in trouble. Like, I don't think that's necessarily so bad. No, Egwene doesn't need anybody. Clearly, uh, yeah. Wayne doesn't need friends. She only saves everyone else. Yeah. Well, she certainly saves Rand later. Strong. What are you whispering? We could we know what you're, We can hear you whispering. She is strong like Heartstone. Like Heartstone. Unbreakable. Heartstone. Quindar. Quindiar. Quindiar, yeah. Cut to the fighting. Perrin's crew is doing fairly well. Perrin looks up at the tower, sees Egwene, and uh, Loyal says, we've got to get the horde to Rand. And they're like, can't open it. Matt's like, ah, I have, I have magic plot device dagger i have the dagger that can do anything in the story watch me open it so he does yep that happened you know it sounds like i didn't like this episode i do like it but there's there are some when you go through it line by line you're like wait a second there's some stuff that doesn't make sense um Egwene is confused uh why Rand came to save her that's when we get the line and then a shamael shows up she he just tosses Egwene. Egwene, to her credit is ready to like throw down for rand but he tosses her right away and then tosses rand Mm-hmm. Then from the ships, we see uh, the Lady Suroth, you know, uh, Commander Damani, and they shield Rand. And that, you know, we talked about, I, I complained about wanting to see evidence of Rand's power. They really do deliver that this episode. Because first up, we got the scene with Turok. But then here, it it, it seems to me, just watching this, that, like, it, they need, like, 10 Damani to shield this guy. Like, he's so strong or whatever that, like, they need a But, like, you know, it, it, having, like, a bunch of them do it. That worked for me, considering he's supposed to be so powerful. <laughs> it's back and forth with Shamael and and Rand. 
Bran says, I am not lose there. And he says, maybe next time it'll be different. Seroth tells him to hold the shield on Rand until they get the signal. And then we gentle him. That bottom fell out of my stomach. I didn't like that at all. You just reminded me of the very weird juxtaposition. And this is sort of one of, the, again, you know, one of the times where, you know, hand-waving is fine and, and it makes good TV in the moment, but then it gets real confusing. Like, last episode, like, I don't know, two hours ago, Showtime, he was uh, probably a little bit more because it was night, but, like, Swan just shielded him and he couldn't do anything. And now it's Sendamane. So I, I guess... You know, thinking about it, like this feels more like Ishamel's like, I'm pretty sure I know how strong he is, and Ren has no idea, and neither does anybody else. Could also be that the episodes were written by different people. <laughs> In the next episode, they were like, <laughs> the person writing this episode was like, we really need to make sure that he doesn't seem weak. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but then we have the back and forth with Rand and, and Ishamel, and he basically is like, no, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to join you. Yep. And then Perrin, Matt, Loyal, they open the box. Matt's got the horn. Perrin tells Matt to What's go, 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 find Ran. Yep. None of this matters if Ran doesn't have that. You're his only hope. Perrin's fighting. Sees Dane, who recognizes him. They're fighting alongside each other. Uh, back to Dine, even Elaine. She's got a damn arrow through her leg. But she's a G because Elaine rules. And she's like, like, can we get this thing going? So they she pushes it out. Then we have the whole scene with Eamon, yeah. Valda, and Perrin. And um, here's my opinion on this. It was terrible to see Hopper die. It sucked. It was terrible. But Hopper always had to die because something had to trigger Perrin to be a little bit more ruthless. We had to we had to see a change in Perrin at some point. So Hopper had to go. That was my opinion. They all agree a lot. They're cheering. They're on mute. They're cheering. Uh, I mean. Hey, Perrin does pick up an axe. He gets, and his yellow, eyes get yellow. Point in his favor. Yeah. Yeah, his eyes get yellow. He picks up an axe. I had... Is it still fridging if it's a wolf? Oh, I don't this know. isn't like the first episode. I don't know I like, what that is. I like that Hopper. What? Fridging? Fridging. Yeah. So what they did to his wife in the beginning oh. to like give him some like depth depth of character. Yeah. Uh, to like so to progress his character, they're just killing Hopper. Yeah. Is that a term? Like something. I've never heard that term before. Yeah, yeah. 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 So so that's what so I'm asking he, about. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a like movie TV term to to like. Uh, it comes from some TV show where they did this to a female character. It's usually female character. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I like, that, you know. I know they, the trope. I've never heard the term one. before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you learned something new. Well, so but so I don't TV think that like, that Hopper got fridged <laughs> because he was around for a while. Like it wasn't sure. maybe yeah, yeah. that long, but like we saw a relationship with him and Perrin develop over yeah and we and he also yeah. taught parents he taught parents some things about how they can sense mm-hmm. each other and communicate you know mm-hmm. he can he can see their memories and things so you know he he learned some stuff but i, I did i never for a second thought hopper was going to make it through this show i thought they, you know, at some point he had to die so i had forgotten a, that yeah. hopper dies in the first book in a in a different scene different timeline uh and then i was re-traumatized when he started here. Oh, no. <laughs> so, it was not great. I'm very disappointed that Valda seems to walk away from this with no problem. Yeah. Um, I don't think he, I, like, I don't think he's going to get a pet anytime soon, though. He's had some bad experiences with wolves recently. <laughs> Maybe a cat. Maybe he's a cat guy. Yeah. So when Joffrey kills Hopper, uh, Perrin picks up his axe and, and goes out to fight. 
and he his mm. eyes go yellow and he grabs Yax and he kills Joffrey and then uh, yep. yeah, he, so he kills the he gets a totally totally random axe because he has to have an axe so yeah you gotta have an axe uh, so cut to Matt who is at the top of the building and some Sanchin are on the other side, of the other side of him he basically has no idea where to go so he blows the horn a couple of things happen during this mm-hmm. scene really fast one time seems mm-hmm. to stop Soldiers are stopped mm-hmm. in place. Everybody else is stopped in place. Two, Matt says, I, I, I remember. They got there. <laughs> I'm looking at BG Ambry. They finally got there <laughs> with Matt and his memories. Uh, yeah. I, you know, we may not love it, but like that's the, they were clearly getting to a beat. It's something that happens in the book. It happened uh, a different way. And then yep. uh, behind him, the heroes of the horn appear. Uno is one of them. Didn't love that Uno was one of them. Got to be honest with you guys. I don't think Uno did enough to deserve to be the hero of the horn. I- it's, we just didn't see all the things that Uno has done. It's a fourth wall break. Uh, I mean, uh, almost definitely that it, it's a fourth wall break. And uh, Sanderson has been fairly vocal about him. Uh, in his head, canon, Uno is a hero of the whore. Mm. And so I think they just gave it to him. Okay. Uh, one person that is there that doesn't, we don't, they, they put a name to it when you do the x-ray is author yeah. Arthur Hawkening. Um, Hawkwing. Hawkwing. Uh, Arthur Hawkwing. Y'all yeah. Real quick to tell me I'm wrong, but that's, that's how the, they had, they spelled it. Um, so anyway, the leader of the horde. Uh, um, anyway, that's a guy. Matt says the hero of the horn. There's other people. There's there, well, there's other people. I'm scared to say their names. Yeah, yeah. You guys tell me. Uh, it's like, it's well, like so, a pop so the reason here. that I was, I was saying that is because we got more about Arthur Hawkwing in uh, the bonus content from season one. So he's the one that uh, besieged the white tower um, and uh, caused the, uh, Asa died have to swear on the oath throat. So like that, that is part of his legacy, uh, that we know from book information or fr- from show extra information. Who else w- w- did we want to call out as the heroes? Of the uh, that's the only person that we want to call out as heroes of the horn, but we do get on x-ray that there's somebody named Amaterasu and that's a super weird call out, uh, that the show is doing. And Indeed. we're not going to talk about that more yeah. on pod. Cool. Anyway, Matt says, and don't Google it. Matt says, I am one of you. I have fought by your side many times, uh, times beyond number fight with us once more. Lady takes it from him for the time being. And then Matt gets to speak the old tongue. He speaks the old tongue and he yells something that, uh, apparently is it's time to toss the dice. And then he goes, which mm-hmm. I love Matt. I love book Matt in the book. And so this whole sequence, um, while imperfect did work, did really work for me. I, I, I had an emotional reaction to it. I liked, I liked Matt having a moment here. And then I liked him getting yeah. to the point where he has these memories. That's that's when Matt gets interesting yep. to me. So I'm glad they finally got there. Yep. Dane sees that Perrin killed Joffrey, and he's like, let me at him. And they get pulled apart. Uno comes over, starts murking everybody. Uh, Matt runs in the tower. Elaine and Nynaeve. Um, yeah, this is where he pushes the arrow through. Fletchings and all. Yep. Cut to a Shamael who asks. Yeah, you're supposed to take those off, right? Off, right? First. Yep. Okay. I hope so. Yep. And also, like, unless you're going to do something about the bleeding, you shouldn't take it there. I also think Elaine might have some sort of uh, neurologic dysfunction because she just like walks it off. Okay. Yeah. She just powers through. This is Elaine's awesome. uh, Yeah. No, I think she literally has reduced pain sensitivity. Like, there's 
no way somebody gets an arrow shoved through their knee and is like, okay, let me go walk up some tower steps. She's got she's just that, she's just that great. That's just how, how she awesome is. she is. Yeah. Yeah. I just think she has an undiagnosed neurological I think we're I, I think we're I like this is a theory the, time the, the, the line of Andor. <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big Elaine fan. I'm I'm here for all of the uh unrealistic things that that bolster her as a character. Let's I'm bring it on. Yeah. Let's see if she can fly next. I like her. Um Yeah. Shamiel asks Luz if he will join them. Rand's like, nah. Um so he does say though, she says she's she's right, you know, you are so much like Luz, but different too. I feel like that's a, a good line from a Shamael and a good moment. Mm-hmm. Up comes Matt. Matt's like, I can do it. I got you, Rand. I'm gonna save the day. Woof. Throws it and it was an illusion uh, uh Shamael was putting on and, and it goes right through him and the, the it hits Rand. Hits Rand in the side. It's a side injury. He has a, mm-hmm. a, a an injury in his side. I would like all of the audience to know that. <laughs> Um, Possibly did not hit any necessary organs, just right there, not even through the knee. Just a, it'll just be a, just fine. Nope. Wound on his side that was just gonna annoy him. If only he was as badass as Elaine, he could just walk this off. He could. Well, but he can't. You know, my first thought was like, you know, they they certainly played up the power of that dagger. Um, I mean, it was just cutting through. What, what was it, like a lightsaber? It was cutting through steel a second ago. <laughs> and now it's, it's yep. jammed up in his side. I would think that's a pretty... I would think Elaine... It, it, it immediately cauterizes. It's fine. I would think <laughs> Elaine can't just come in and like heal it 100%. Like my my guess is that like it's not... It's like... Yeah. She's it didn't look bleeding, 100%. But yeah. it's still a no. problem. No. Yeah. It looks yeah. pretty messed up. Yeah, it did look kind of gross, right? Um, Shamael's a few feet away. And he says, if it's any consolation, like he says, if it's any consolation, I'm sorry, too old friend. I truly am. Rand lies there dying, but Egwene comes over and throws all her energy at him. I'm interested to hear what BJ and Bree think about Elaine's standoff with a Shamael. Did that work for you or unrealistic considering the power of a Shamael? You mean Egwene? Egwene? Yeah, what I mean. yeah. Uh, this was great. Uh, it was one of my favorite things uh, this entire season. Uh, it was perfect. We've seen the shield before. She clearly had a lot of power. Uh, going into this and had used this shield before. Um, and it made sense that Ashama would just, you know, throw a couple little fireballs at it and just sit there and do that. Yeah, I brought this up because I knew I was going to get 100%. that reaction. Um, <laughs> I don't think it, I don't think like maybe people, many people deep in the lore love this because it just doesn't seem like she would be able to do this. Um, but I guess we're getting super going. We're getting we're getting super going this episode. Listen, I mean, I'll agree with this one. An indi- <laughs> she's an independent Egwene that doesn't need anybody. No man. All right, so here's the best explanation I heard of it. I heard that she didn't. She does know, a, a, like a shield, like weave, right? She she would learn that. That's fairly well, basic. and we've seen yeah. that. Like we, she had that the lot when she got captured by the Sanchin. That's one of the things she did. Mm-hmm. She put up a shield, sure. and she. It also stands to reason that she would draw yeah, in. She did. Her, as much power probably to a dangerous level for her in an attempt to save Rand's life. That that's that's she would go right up to the edge to try to save him. It also the way they filmed it, it did seem like Ashamael was just sort of taken aback by it at first. So maybe his first yeah. bit a bit of offense was not necessarily his strongest because he was just sort of confused by what was happening and and surprised. And he did seem to start upping his offense as it went on to a point that she couldn't handle. So like I guess maybe that's like the best justification of the scene I could I could give. I, I think the the justification for the scene that I have is this is theatrics for him. Like it's all theatrics for him. Like there he never had a sense of a possibility of his loss 
Because the only person that he thought had any power that mattered is Rand. And Rand is shielded. And so, like, none none of this matters. Um, and so it's kind of like an, all right, well, you put up a shield. Like, I have time for this. Like, there's nothing going on that's going to matter for, you know, who knows how long. Um, and so, like, he can sit and toy with her. He can, you know, slowly build up stuff and, and maybe eventually, you know, do something interesting. But, like... This is all fine. Yeah. Like he has time. He has time to make, you know, any theatrics that he wants. And, and, you know, if his end goal is to, to kill Rand and just, you know, pick apart all of his friends, like why do it quickly? You know, because if he does it quickly, it doesn't hurt Rand. Yeah. Um, Um, But I don't get that from the scene. No, I don't either. I just have to like, I don't either put my, the way the actor, the actor acts it as if he's off balance and he's struggling a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's an actor like he's, you know, a cat with a a mouse. Right. Um, So anyway, that's that scene. You have the Marine scene on the beach with Lan when she figures out that there, some people are shielding something. She connects that it might be Rand and she destroys the ships while Lan is behind her, uh, protecting her. Um, Deep in the episode, maybe people don't want to talk about it too much, but I feel like there's a lot of discussion that can be had about why Marine was able to do this. I got a couple of theories I can throw out if you I get the conversation started. One is the theory that when she swore the oath to Swan Sanche, that that wiped away her other three oaths. That is something that people have postulated. I guess that maybe um, the initial oaths that she swore as an Aes Sedai were wiped away when she was exiled from the tower and swore the oath to Swan Sanche. So does that? So I don't think that that is held up in the lore, um, because show we have lore? no, no, in the book lore. I don't know about the oh, show lore. Yeah, well, but like, and I don't think we have any evidence for it in show lore. But in the book lore, we do have later instances where people swear additional O's on the oath rod, and it does not negate previous O's in hmm. order to remove those current O's that they have taken. Like something else has to happen, so that that is not like that is definitely not uh, a true. If you go by book lore, I don't know what they're going to do with show lore, but they haven't shown us that one oath could take precedence. I think it's an interesting question. I have it written in my notes. How is she able to hurt them? Um, so I have a, another theory, but do you want to share oh, your other one? I have it. All right. Um, so my thought is she was purposefully targeting the ships. And not the people. Mm. And so if she's only targeting the ships, she's not using the power as a weapon against other people. Um, and then I think there's one more theory that I, maybe you will talk about, Lee, or if somebody else wants to. Well, I mean, uh, my uh, well, so my reading of it was, because uh, the, first, the first one I didn't really believe, but that's just what people talk about. So I just threw it out. The, the one that I went with was that she thinks, she, she has extrapolated that any threat to Rand is a threat mm. to them all because Rand has to fight the dark one. And if he doesn't, that they're all, they're all wiped out. So for yeah. her, any threat to Rand's person is a threat to her person. Um, that's how far exactly. she's connected mm-hmm. those dots. So that's why, and that, that, that kind of bears out in her explanation. Cause she says, I'll let a thousand is and people die. If there's a chance he will live. That's what it means to support him. Do you understand yeah. that? Mm-hmm. So and, that's an interesting way to do it. I think I have one more than mm-hmm. theory that you want to. Yeah. Well, so what I was going to say is, Roll that tape back, Lee. What did she say? I will let a thousand innocent people die. Not right. that I will kill a thousand innocent people. Right. I will so, let. So she can sink the ship. Yeah, that goes to just let them the die. Ship. Just like she did in season one, where she made that whirlpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody died, 
But like that was not, not her fault. The intent. Um, so my last one was they're attacked by those dudes on the on the beach, and so you know she's not supposed to use the one power um, as a weapon except in the last defense of her life or the life of her warder. And so like even she though Rand? no, but like <laughs> Lan is fighting these people, and so even though she's not targeting those people with the power, she can still access it as a weapon. Because her life and the life of her warder are in danger. I want her to yeah. just directed at different people. I'm, I'm a I'm a moraine yeah. ran shipper. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of work. Yeah, I know a lot of people uh, aren't, aren't with me on that one. I think I'm on on an island alone. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I think it's an interesting discussion and debate. Like, yeah, I, I like the idea that I don't know. It's it's very difficult, but I, I like the idea that she she has. For her, the decided th- Rand for is... her, the threat to Rand is so, um, so material. Like it has such a tangible effect on everybody in her mind. She's so sure of that 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 basically opens up whatever she has to do to protect him. And and I kind of like just selfishly hope that's the case in the show and the books because like I don't want like Rand to be in trouble and Moraine not to be able to help him. Like so, <laughs> I hope she's able to do that through the story. Anyway. That's the scene. I thought the way they filmed it was really cool. I thought it was peak mm-hmm. land. Land was killing a lot of people. That was blocked and it looked really uh, slick um, as a scene. Mm-hmm. And then also the way that she did the weaves. I think there's some people who really are deep into the magic of the the books who will question like how she's able to like throw weaves that far and stuff. And uh, that's a little that's a little yeah. above me. But um, I think you just have to let that go. I, yes, this this turning of the yeah. wheel, the magic is squidgy. Ah, okay. Yeah. Hey, did you know that like some people say that the show is just a turning of the wheel that is like it's like kind of like the books, but like just. <laughs> oh, I thought turn. one per- one person had said that. Yeah. 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 So one YouTuber. Yeah. Just one YouTuber yeah. that I saw yep. that I I'm bringing this yeah. to the podcast new. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Where are we at? Ashamio then starts going in his bag, and Egwene's really struggling when he does that. She looks over at Rand. He's like, I I can't help. And Perrin appears and. Hey, BJ, re, uh, R-E, colon, the magic is squishy of the show. <laughs> what is this shield? How is the shield helping? I'm so confused by the shield. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a horn shield. So that helps against the... It just happens to be where it is needed the most. This turning of the wheel, the magic is squishy. <laughs> yep. I, that that one so did bother me. Shield? The, the shield bothered me a little bit. I was like, "That is just, what is that? Like, how does it? <laughs> Where did oh, that come from? It looks like a Captain America shield or something. Shield. It is Ono shield. He has yeah. sure, the but like, how, so wh- it's totally just the horn. You know, spins out these heroes and their accoutrement, and they are used where they are needed the most. Yep. And this is needed to bolster I mean, Ogoin's shield. It's also funny because like <laughs> there there are so many sure. other things that okay. it could have been and. Perrin never has a shield. Like he, he literally just never <laughs> has so a shield strange. in the book. It's such a weird scene. And so, like, for him to have it rather than like out of left field, you know, one of one of the girls being able to channel a little bit, them linking because that's a thing that we've seen before. Uh, no. I don't know. They're just it, but it's it's a thing. I know that the showrunners has to be used. I know the showrunners listen to this I podcast. Need. I'm aware, I, I think they do. I'm pretty sure. So I'm going to give them some advice. Um, for me as a viewer, like I, I know you're trying to get to certain places, right? I know the show wants to get, they wanted to get to a point where basically all of the five are there trying to fight to save Rand, or the four other four are there to fight to save Rand. And they're all helping in some way to stop a Shamael from killing him. They wanted that sequence, right? They, that's the, the emotional thing they want to get to. But process matters. Like, please don't just, 
<laughs> throw the book out to get to these checkpoints that you've written, you know, um, cause that, that, that thing, that, that shield thing was a little rough. That took me out of it. Um, and so one of the things that like is interesting in the show versus the book is like in the books, often everybody plays a role in a grand battle as opposed to like, they all have their sort of individual thing that they can contribute to the, the greater thing. Uh, as opposed to, like, they all are against Ishamel. And so, like, to a certain extent, like, in the beats of this book, like, there's stuff going on in the background. Matt sounds the horn, like, he turns the tide of the battle, but also Rand is battling Ishamel. And that's, like, a separate thing. And they each do the thing that they're good at to win out the day. Mm -hmm. And this was just kind of like, well, everybody's going to get a turn, so Earth. Rand and Ishamel can have their... Fire, spirit, Captain Planet. Yeah, like they all put their <laughs> fist in, and then that's how they, yep. all five together, our powers combined. Yep. That's how we do it. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what they were going for. And I, I'm with you, BJ. I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just broken record, but like I, I do like how they did that scene in the book where it was like everybody was doing their own thing that they that has been set up and they, they're, they're, that they're good at. Yeah. Um, Maybe they could have had... Uh, kind of equity yeah. versus equality like you know everybody every, instead of everybody needing to to, to get their not. turn with the shaman i but like they each have things that they're good at like have them do that like do they perrin's not good at channeling why have him be in the channeling fight agree you know what he could have he could have uh been at the top of the tower stairs and fighting all of the Sanshin that were coming up the stairs. Why on earth? That would have been they, helpful. Why on earth couldn't they have had Moraine actually get to Falb? Like, why couldn't Moraine have thrown her body in front of that? That we 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 love Moraine. They've taken great pains to show Moraine and us to have an emotional connection to her. If she if she sacrificed herself for Rand, that'd be even more powerful. And she has her power back. Like, mm -hmm. and she could use it for something. Like, this would have been a great time for. You know, yeah. anyway. All right. Now Lots we're fantasy of, yeah. book in the show. But like, Very I think nice. that would have been better. Yeah. Uh, one scene that did work for me, however, is Elaine shows up and she heals Rand and Rand falls in love with her immediately. Of course he does. Yeah. And <laughs> She's even in a, in a like a golden oh. haze of light, <laughs> which really actually made me laugh while I was watching it. It felt like the people making the show were like, we've got three seconds to show that Rand yep. likes her. How could we do We it? need a real, we need Soft a real lighting. shorthand for this. Yes. Soft lighting, backlighting. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Egwene. Uh, I mean, and it's also really funny because, like, this was a they couldn't have another actor on set in season one, and so the the scene where they met in the books, which was when he was get trying to get a good look at Logan, and they were sort of in the right place at the right time, she couldn't be there, so they basically had to do a meet cute somewhere else, and this was like, <laughs> well. They're there. They're in the same place. It's fine. Hoopst Among Us has not bonded over the the insufficient healing of a wound from a corrupted dagger in our side. Yeah, I mean that is in the middle of, of battle. That's Let's kind do of it. Twenty twenty three origination story for most of these young kids. Sure. Yeah. Where did you meet? I met online. Where did you meet? I met healing a guy from a <laughs> corrupted dagger <laughs> in the middle of the war. That's the uh, that's the Gen Z Gen Alpha distinction i believe i'm oh, a big elaine fan but if you want to put me in a pretzel ask me okay so who should rand end up with romantically because i will be you have you have said wait, wait, all wait, of the oh, things okay. to me i'll i'll show, yes show rand, all of them show rand all of is them. a different beast so show rand goes so, with lanfear yeah so probably. yeah 
Shoran will probably end up with Lanfear, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of thinking more now the books. Like, if you, you ask me, like, okay, where I'm at in the books, like, well, where, who should Rand end up with? All of the things? I don't... I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm really struggling with it. I, I don't know. It's really hard. Lan. I think we need to stay Lan? away from this topic. Why? Wow. Lan? It's hard out there. It's hard out there for Rand. It's hard. Lan needs somebody. Hard, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> hey Do you have a problem with the fact that Rand falls in love with half the cast? I mean. I just think maybe we should steer clear of that to topic learn how to until we see more of the somewhere. show. I don't know. Like, I I, I, I am get like, <laughs> maybe, okay, if it's a spoiler. Egwene has her own If it's a spoiler, I apologize to everybody. But I thought the way they did the lighting and they did the scene that it was obvious they were going that way with Rand and Elaine. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, and I'm. I'm just and, talking about maybe other people that he may. Well, no, may I mean, not I, be I'm talking about what Wayne. we know, and we already know he's interested in Egwene, yeah. and I'm shipping him with Moraine. I'm doing that on my own. So there you go. You already got. Three. <laughs> you are. You are on an island on that one. <laughs> you already got three. So yeah, it's it's a lot. He's got a lot going on. Wait, three, three before Elaine. Before Elaine. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Egwene, Elaine, Moraine. Who's the fourth? Land, well, yeah, but that, yeah, that's true. Linger, I think. Come on, okay, that's fair. <laughs> what you, is you, this? You've been talking about this for for two seasons. <laughs> that's fair. Landfear, I like her too. Um, all right, so see, I told you you could give me a pretzel talking about this topic. Yep, just proved it. I can't, I can't, I can't figure out. <laughs> yep. Now you're all. I don't know where. Just like, just like Rand. <laughs> just like Rand's yep. love just life. Just like Rand. Because, <sighs> you know, Perrin and Matt are just better at girls. Yeah. Uh, if Matt was here, he'd know what to say to her. He always knows what to say. Exactly. He'd probably ask her for a dance. Uh, so, yeah, back yep. to uh, Shamael. And he is continuing to fight. Rand gets up now because Moraine has stopped the shielding. And what y'all think of the way he killed the Shamael? Just like got the got the sword, heated up the sword with the with the power, and then stabbed him. That did, that they did they, they got to a couple beats right. They got to Shamael quote dead, and they got the heron mark on his arm, they on his hand. Yeah, they, they got there for that. Yep, they got places. Uh, I so I think my favorite part of this was. Um, after he he finishes stabbing Ishamael before like the the no longer like full sword hits the ground there's a brief second where like the power goes back in and it looks like uh turning off a lightsaber <laughs> and it's just a handle now and it's just like i since you don't like is, that I, um <laughs> he laughed pretty hard I, since you since yeah. you're not a fan <laughs> i mean it, I guess it. it, it we got to get Sanderson on the pod. He trashed this episode funny. pretty hard. Um, so I, I, I think so. He had a lot of frustrations, and I think you know we've come up with a lot of the same frustrations. But I think a lot of where he was coming from is he's he talked a lot about what the spirit of the books are and uh, and earning certain things in in the show. And so there are things like uh, all the stuff that happened with the Adam, like it just, well, like part of the the lesson that he thought Egwene should be learning and everybody learns throughout the books is that like being a rock by yourself doesn't work. You know, doing things on your own, not letting people help you, not letting people, <laughs> you know, in emotionally and, uh, uh, 
like into your head, you know, into your plans, like just being the only thing doesn't work. It doesn't work for Lan, doesn't work for Rand, doesn't work for Gwen, it doesn't work for anybody. And so having a Gwen basically be like, nah, I'm special, I don't need anybody, it's fine. It's like, well, you didn't, like, it doesn't make sense. And sort of going against like the spirit of what he felt was in the books, which is like, yes, if you're doing a separate thing, but it sort of, it makes it weird with everybody, like, uh, with that being like a thing that Rand needs to learn and everybody else. So, so I don't have a problem with it from that standpoint because Egwene specifically has become, has very nearly been broken. I think she, I think I am okay with her having an arc that says, I can help myself out of this situation. I am me and nobody is going to capture me again. I think that is fine. I do think that it's important that we see the rest of the support structure of Rand needs all this help. Matt needs help. Like everybody else has those moments and particularly like Moraine and Lan come back together and they realize that neither of them is as good as they are together. I think all of that is reasonable. I, I yeah. hope to God that means that Egwene will have a point at which she struggles and fails and needs the help of her friends. Like, that has to happen. She has to have that revelation. Right, and I guess it was, this was a reasonable point to have it. Why not have it here? I don't but think like... it was, because she's so nearly broken. Like, I think it's really strong for her character I, to... I am not arguing this. I, you know, I... He's I, a proxy. I am He's just... a proxy argument. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. BJ, oh, no, I BJ the straw man is Sanderson actually <laughs> vis-a-vis BJ. Yeah, so I, right. I watched the, the that live stream. Like, you know, I listened to what he had to say. I listened to what everybody had to say, like, on that stream. And I've listened to his, like, follow-up comments from there. And I, I think that the other thing that is a lot tougher is that he only watched that episode when he did that live stream. Like, he had not seen any of the rest of season two. Right. And so he his knowledge of like the Egwene's arc was just from reading the scripts that they sent him. Cool. Which really don't deliver the full impact of her arc. And also could have changed after he gave comments and literally everybody else gave comments. So right. like it was before like rehearsals and everything else. So I, I think that has to do with, you know, some of his complaints. And like, I think some of them are very valid. Like, I think that nobody... Uh, Particularly likes the dagger on the stick. I I know one person that doesn't because Bree sat up <laughs> and started yelling at me. Yeah, our our listeners can't actually see this from here, but behind Bree is a giant whiteboard uh, with just equations, trying to figure out the physics of correctly trying tying a dagger to a stick. <laughs> And, and in fact, none of take? them work. Yes. <laughs> yes. In fact, yeah. there is absolutely no way in which... Red marker through all of them. I mean, it's also all, all of the of red cloth. string that would tie some of these theories together was trying to wrap around that dagger to and keep it on the stage. We don't even see, like, the dagger doesn't, like, eat into the wood and, like, maybe make its own little imprint so it's got, like, a custom-fit handle. Like, that doesn't happen. That we know of. Yeah. No, it... it I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people on the side of what Brie, you and you and Sarah have espoused here, which is that the, the scene with Egwene was okay and it was okay for her to do it alone. Um, I think there's a pretty strong contingent of people. I just, I, I, I'm on the other side of that one. That's okay. Um, but I, I agree with you that I do hope at some point we don't, we stop getting super Egwene and she need, actually yeah, needs yeah, somebody help. That. 
I'm good with uh, that. Absolutely. That'd be kind of cool. Also, I really don't like that she was able to hold the shield as long as she was against Ishmael. Like that absolutely that didn't track. No. No, no, uh, that doesn't work at all. Um, so then <laughs> Moraine proclaims him as the dragon. And uh, what do we think of the big, the big magic fire dragon that spun around the tower? Did we like that? I mean, it's a pretty dragon. It, it was magic. It puffed. What else do you need? Okay. I like that all the people were cheering for him. I like that they were cheering. The dragon is reborn. Dragon is reborn. I liked that Lanfear was there smiling, watching him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very, very That's supportive. Good. I liked all of I, that. I note that what is not in your I like dot, dot, dot is I like the dragon that appeared no, from Marine. No, that's because I don't. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Tell us more about that. Well, it's stupid. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it doesn't, it's just. Tell us how you really feel. It's just feel. a silly looking thing. And, I, it, you know, I think that they were just, they just, the. Per- Do you ascribe to the notion that dragons should have, um four legs and two wings or two wings and two legs well, two wings got... and two no, two yeah. wings and two legs is a wyvern right it is not a so dragon. how do we know that this did she maybe it should actually be a did wyvern. she said is it the wyvern reborn is the wyvern bit reborn everyone yeah oh man is this gonna be the the oh never mind that's spoiler sorry it looked cartoonish <clears throat> to me it looked cartoonish and that's it looked fair. Cheap and easy because they were out of out of time with the episode, and they had to figure out a way to quote proclaim him, and this was the easiest way to do it. Um, I went I wasn't a big fan of it, but hey, whatever. Again, they're just trying to get to certain beats, and they got to he has been proclaimed. Everybody, he's been proclaimed, and he's standing there on the edge. Everybody can see him. Rand's the guy. All hell, Rand. All hell. No giant face in the sky, though. Then we get the Mo Gideon Lanfear scene. So shout out Mo Gideon's mm-hmm. on scrum scene. I think one thing that confused people, which I, I think they did appropriately in the show, which I would like to try to explain to some folks if they did, didn't know it. Otherwise, I'm repeating what people already know. But um, is that when Lanfear walks in and she is not ready to fight. Like, I don't think this is a display that Mo Gideon is that much stronger than Lanfear. I think that Mo Gideon was sitting there crafting a weave in her hand for some time, preparing to throw it at Lanfear when she came in, expecting Lanfear to come. And Lanfear was not prepared for it. I don't think that's an indication that if the two of them squared off, all things being equal, that Mogidian would run over in the same way she's doing it this scene. It took her by surprise, and Lanfear is not used to being incapacitated in this way, and that's Ooh. why you saw real panic on her face, because it's not something she's used to. And I think that what they're building toward is that exactly what Mogidian says in her dialogue, which is she picks her spots. She's not going to start a fight unless she feels pretty good about it. And that's what she explains to Lanfear. She goes, basically, like, I don't I don't lose. Like, I, I, I strike to kill. Like, um, And that, that came across to me. And the, the whole thing worked from a lore perspective. I didn't have any problems with any of that. Mm-hmm. I also thought the um, framing and cinematography of this scene was one of the better ones. Uh, because they took almost all the color out of the scene and t- and until Mulgaden left and released Lanfear. And so, like... She was shot in a very, like, blue, like, black and white. And, like, there was no color in the room. And then after she left and, like, let the the webbing go, like, you saw all of, like, the, the flushing and the red uh, come back into Lanfear. Yep. I like that a lot, too. I thought that was really well done. I think they've introduced Mogidian really effectively here. She's she's mm-hmm. scary. Agreed. She comes from the shadow. She's a spider. She's mm-hmm. scary. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's the end of the episode. I can I ask a question and that there's another line that that I'm yeah surprised that you're you're not hitting on light help you Randall Thor 
There it is. <laughs> and it's a fascinating line. Why is Lanfear calling on the light? Yep. Because she's a good guy. I've been saying that since like the fourth episode. That, that's why I was surprised you didn't hit this line. I feel like, like it's it, canon. It's and this canon. should be like item one. We already know. We already know she's good. Yeah. She's good. Okay. She's a good guy. Okay. She's, she's going to like, but I think that the thing I was more concerned about here, it, it's a good thing to bring up. I should have, I should have brought it up. It, you're right. Um, her saying light is very interesting there, but also like Magidian's like stay away from him. And like, mm-hmm. now it'll be interesting to see if Lanfear does that. Yeah. Cause I don't like the idea of her having to stay clear of him. Um, I, I, can I ask a... Do you think that she is? Do you think she's going to take Mogidian at her word and be like, oh yeah, okay, I'll steer clear of Rand? My get- Do you think Lampier listens to anybody? My Lampier guess is that... Lampier thinks this is well established on this podcast. I think that she's going to need to try to... Fi- before she before she openly bucks Mogidian, I think she's going to need to figure out where the other Forsaken land and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if it's six against one, I don't think she's going to fight that. Uh, so she's got to do some politicking here in the short term. Yep. Can I ask a yes or no question to everybody? Just real quick before we move on to segments. No. Um, cool. Uh, Sarah. I mean, you literally just did I'll ask. start with, a, that was more of like a theoretical question. Uh, Sarah, question. Yeah. Um, is the Shamael dead? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> Bree. In the show. Yes, I think he's dead. BJ. Yes. Okay. Lee. No. Oh. Interesting. I do not think he's dead. What... What do you think is the difference between Lanfear and Ashamel's death? In quotes. Like, so Lanfear got stabbed a whole bunch of times in places that were not great for her to get stabbed. Uh, um, she got her throat slit, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looked pretty dead. So did Ashamel. The main difference is a lightsaber, I guess. I don't think there's a difference. That's what I'm saying. I think he's still alive. I think that it. Right, but, but like, she didn't disintegrate. Sure. That's just that's just how he died, but he'll come back. Okay. I don't think I don't think it's the last time we've seen that actor. That actor can keep his insurance. He's gonna get some more <laughs> lines in this show. That's what I say. Uh maybe not this season, but eventually. I think we'll see him again. I'm gonna I don't I don't I think we'll I'm see more of him. All right. Segments. Segments, segments, segments. Yep. Uh quotes. Uh Sarah. Um so or scene, if you don't want to do a quote. No, I um I don't know. I had a couple of options. I think um, I think I want to go with Rand in his confrontation with Ishamael at the end, um, towards the beginning of that confrontation, where he says, I will never serve in a thousand lives. I never have. Um, mm-hmm. I think it is a good, solid finale quote. I also like I, the, the Rand's... Um, conviction that in a thousand lives he actually never has is was really heartening to me in that scene i liked it yep i think actually i that was going to be my vote for best scene as well um and i think partially because i think that the actor for rand is really beginning to embody rand Mm -hmm. like this was really well delivered i think this was a really strong moment for this character of just having this core conviction of I've always been a warrior for the light. No matter what you do, that does not change. So I absolutely support that uh, nomination. Lee? I feel lucky that I get to go second, that I get to pick this one. I'm going to pick Matt after he blew the horn and he says, he's starting to remember. He says, I, I remember. And then he says, I am one of you. I fought by your side. Times beyond number. Fight with us once more. And then he says in the in the old tongue, it's time to toss the dice. Dove ande setovia sagan. Love it. 
Love it. That was almost as good as my Master Doman. Almost. Almost. Master Doman. Yeah, that that was my, I, I mean, the, you know, of course I'm a Rand stan, but like, I love the Matt storyline of the book and, and they got yeah. him to the point where he remembers being a hero in other ages, that he remembers fighting in other battles and things. And that's where that character really takes off for me. And I have a lot of hope about where they take the fact that he has all these new memories and he's kind of a different person mm-hmm. now in season three. Yeah. Especially now that I have a lot of faith in the actor. I feel like the actor is embodying Matt. He's doing a great job of it. So mm-hmm. um, setting up for a strong season three for Matt. Yep. All right. I'm going to go with a random one that I know you're not going to pick. So I think I feel pretty safe and just <laughs> jumping in. Okay. Which is, so since Sarah took the scene that I think is probably my favorite of this episode, um, I think I'm going to just throw in a plug for the White Cloaks galloping in under the cover of the smoke was like a very cool like that powerful you know like army attacking a city um lots of horses galloping i was like this is nice telvin i like this i thought that was a really cool scene too and just like a sort of and maybe it's in the books too but it was just a smart detail right um of how they operate which i i really appreciated um they used a cloaking mechanism i'm trying to remember yeah (laughs) they were cloaked in white um so it, it's actually from around there that I'm going to put my nomination in. Oh, goodness. Uh, which is, we fight them because we must. Um, mm. And that scene with the White Cloaks is, it. it's such an interesting view into, like, how an organization corrupts and, like, what the ideals of that organization might have been mm-hmm. and, like, the different, like, sides of an organization. Because... I guess, to my mind, both in book and in show, Jeffrey Bornald is, like, the idealized white cloak. Like, he's, to a certain extent, like, what the, you know, if if you were to look up, you know, what the white cloaks imagine themselves as and sort of to be, and, like, the the best version of the white cloak is Bornhall, is the elder Bornhall, Jeffrey Bornhall. And he embodies that in, like, what he's talking about and how he acts with everybody. Um, and I think it's sort of an interesting, uh, side to, uh, the White Cloaks. Agree with you. Very cool. There's a lot of meat on that bone to tell the story about the White Cloaks and how they got to where they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think my nomination or my, uh, decision is clear. Yep. Sorry, Lee, you again do not win this week. Uh, it doesn't matter (laughs) because it's time to roll the dice is the best line of the season. (laughs) That Uh, is a pretty cool, pretty cool line. Uh, I'm excited that we finally got it. Yeah. Um, I think I've been waiting for that ever since Matt tossed some dice. Um, so Who do you pick? Uh, winners and what losers. are you picking, Brie? Oh, I'm picking the one that Sarah went with. The the one with uh, Eshamayel and Rand, okay. where Rand is like, I have this conviction that I have never turned to That's your That's a strong side. one. I agree. Yep. I like it. Yep. No argument from me. Good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so winners and losers. Uh... Eggie got free. So she's the loser? No. Uh, <laughs> she's a winner. Yeah. She she did finally win out. I think Ishamel Ishamel both like there's part of me that that's he's a winner and part of me he's a loser. Um I think it sort of depends on what your answer to whether he's dead. Right. Cuz if he's dead yeah. he's a loser. I mean, if he's dead he's a winner. Yes. That's what he wanted. Yeah. Right. Right. Um and like his him saying like I see nothing, and like the, and it's the peace, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. beautiful, and the peace that he said it with, 
and the contentment that he said it with. And he called him Luz right at the end. He said, do you see it, Luz? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that that sort of is an ultimate win. Yeah. I mean, he may come back and he may lose uh, eventually, uh, but... The wheel that, that is as the yes, wheel wills. That's true. Uh, but like... If we're just basing it on where he started and where he ended, he thought he was SOL, like through a lot of the beginnings of this episode with Lanfear betraying him. But like he presumably eventually got sort of what he wanted. Um, so, so I think that he's a strong contender. Uh, I even think that like regardless of whether he's actually like dead, dead, final, dead or not... You know, we've seen him in so much misery, and especially in the last episode when he was really kind of explaining what it is, like what his perspective is that we we talked about. So, so at length, like the idea that he even got momentary contentment and happiness is like kind of yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. What if he's just like born again um, as, a, as a baby? He's just like as a kid spit just back immediately out as a baby. and <laughs> yeah, right away. Damn it again! Angriest baby, baby. Um, yeah, and. Like, I, I guess that's sort of where, like, I, I'm i trying to jive what we have in the show with, like, what the T did and, like, you know, how much does he know um, right. as well. But uh, anyone else have any other uh, winners, I mean, of the episode? I mean, I guess Rand, because, yeah. but I don't know. He didn't feel like know. he had any big wins. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think I think Rand had a pretty big win in the sense that he was proclaimed the dragon reborn for all to see. Um, and yeah, he killed but a like, Shamayo. That's not really his doing. That feels more like a Moraine. I thing. think that with all things Rand, it's a collective effort. But he did get there. Um, <laughs> he... I mean, he didn't even say that she could do that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, he didn't. Uh, he probably will be. And knowing Rand, he'll be mad at her later. He'll be annoyed. He'll be, yes. Yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll let there her will know. be he, words. He's not happy with her. But yeah. I, I, and he does get stabbed in the huh? side. It, it was a banner. He did get stabbed in the side. I don't think that. I don't think we're gonna see hear more about that. But I think he because uh, I don't because they, they didn't show us a, a wound that was healed. Um, I think that's gonna stick around. But yeah. I uh, yeah I don't know. He he was he had the moment. He was standing there on the tower. People cheering, dragging around him. His 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 one true love in the audience. I wanted this was what I was gonna say. One true love. He's Lan met fear, his one true love. In the audience, like you said in the audience. So Elaine, his, Rain, his one fear, where, where his one true love in one the fear. audience on the beach next to him, all yeah. over. <laughs> th- his women. I think he could definitely be the winner of the episode. I also like the idea of Matt being the winner of the episode. Um, with he had he just. I feel like show yeah. Matt has yeah. floundered for so long for him to have a big heroic moment and actually really genuinely help. Not like, Oh Matt, you yeah. kind of helped, but like really yeah. helped. I think it was great for him. Has Matt ever been yeah. our winner of the episode? I don't think so. I, I, I would think love so. to give it to him, but he did stab <laughs> Rand and that's how he ended the episode. Yeah, like he, that was he, he was just dramatic. like, beside himself for like the rest of the end of the episode. But does that mean, so so remind me, was Min's pro- Min's foreseeing about him? She call said you kill Rand, but did she actually see him dead, or did she just see like something that she just so saw this him. is the she thing? She just saw right? some, like, some stabbing. So maybe, maybe we're at the point where like the worst thing that Matt could do is out of the way now. That's a yep. win. That is huh? sure. There you go. Yeah, we skated yeah, by. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we 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 can we can. Uh... I'm I'm digging I'm digging for Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had he had a very up and down episode. Um, 
I think Lanfear might be the loser of the episode. Uh, Any choice know. but Nynaeve also has is a pretty wrong. Crap. Yeah. yeah. Nynaeve sucked. Like she completely fails. Sure. And everything. She tortures someone. Yeah. What annoys me is that the way they did Nynaeve in season one is I felt like they had to back off the constant displays of her power, but it went, made a ton more sense for her to be blocking a Shamael than a Gwaine. Like that so would have made I, way more yeah. sense. I had looked away from the screen for a second and I looked back and it wasn't like, like the, the shield was up. And so it wasn't super clear. I assumed it was naive until yeah, that's, I like, that, could actually that, see that it was yeah. a Gwaine. Cause yeah. we could have believed that with or the power. Or she rolls. could be healing Rand, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, if a Gwaine was just popping it up, for long enough for for Nynaeve to come to, in to do and do a, a power yeah. healer like yeah so uh but yeah I mean she sure she can be a loser I mean I, I feel like from the start Rinna? to the end she she was <laughs> doing bad uh Rena so. does have a rough Rena takes an L yeah mm, I would say yeah uh so so Rena and Nynaeve hung uh, by the neck hard, until hard dead <laughs> that's exactly what happened to her yeah Egwene it called is, her shot Babe Ruth uh cool anything else we want to chat about this episode finale the finale uh yeah i mean thoughts on the season sarah loved it much better (laughs) no i loved it i i brie i too think it was much better um but i also felt and the the way it was better for me like yes there were a lot of like technical things that they were doing better they had more money they were not doing covid related things but i just felt so much more invested in these characters across the board and i think that was writing i think it was acting um and i and i i think that those level those things really stepped up levels that made a huge difference to my to my viewing experience um yeah because i wasn't i didn't really care about anyone except maybe moraine yeah in season one and right i i i very much agree with you the tough time that that i've had this season and i think it's it's so much better I think, you know, the, the finale stumbled a little bit, but, like, this was overall, like, a, a good season of television. The The part that I have the most trouble with is the characters that I'm most invested in, one of them died, and the other just got shown up by Makedev. So, like, I I care about the, 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 the Two Rivers Five because I know I'm supposed to, and I care about them from the books, but like the most compelling characters to watch on screen for this entire season were Lanfield and Ishamel. And it's tough when, you know, the most interesting and compelling characters and to an extent the best actors are on the dark side. Uh yeah. Ish. I I loved it. I thought the season was really great. I mean, I think anytime you I mean, we're doing what we're in two and a half hours of talking about a fifty minute episode or an hour long episode, like we're going to find things that to pick apart like that's the point of sitting here yeah. doing this and that's fun right i enjoy doing that but like that doesn't mean the show is bad like <laughs> yes we found issues but like yeah, it was sure. wildly entertaining to me um i felt like it was uh, it, it vaulted to like a level of uh probably one of my favorite television shows running now um there were many they they, they introduced a lot of new things that worked um mm-hmm. I think the introduction of the Landfear character worked really well. I think the the growing up a little bit, <laughs> the growing know? up. Well, you you agreed. You just said she was your favorite character. I did. Um, uh, the, I think they kind of grew up Rand a little bit. They're starting mm-hmm. to to adult him a little bit, and that mm-hmm. that's working. Um, all of it, yeah, it was just really good, really compelling. I was watching every, each episode as soon as I could get to it, and I think that's 
uh, a good indication of where the show's at. I'm excited for the the later seasons. The thing I really worry about the most about later seasons is the people who have read the books by and large tell me that a lot of the changes that they've made are going to have such massive butterfly effect changes to the end game that they just don't know how in the hell the story gets rolling and, and what happens. And that scares me a little bit that maybe they have kind of collapsed the foundation with some of the early season changes to the point that, you know, we won't get as good a payoffs or something that, that that's kind of like a nagging worry of mine. Yeah. Don't worry when, you know, they, they're good at deciding that they want to hit certain beats and they're willing to get to that point, no matter what kind of giant chasms in I think uh, connections s- they have to do. It'll be entertaining television. Like I, I think that, you know, the script writers will be good enough that it'll be entertaining television. And it's just a different enough you just story have to that, make some leaps. Yeah. Uh, which like, isn't always the worst thing. Uh, but I was going to say, uh, I, Sarah was reminded of a text that we got at, at some point, which, you know, really tells us about the, the increase in, in storytelling, which was at some point you were being very good about not watching ahead. And then uh, <laughs> I want to say it was like episode it was four, episode, I think five, five or, to six, five into six, five was to six. That, yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, nope, I'm watching the next anyway, one and maybe the one after I that. I can't not. And yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think, really I do think that test. that's telling. Yeah. I can't think of another show that improves so much between a season. Like I, I, I can't, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here trying to think of one of a show that had such a increase in quality. Now we've had seen shows have decreases in quality, but I have not seen a show get so, so much better. Uh, early in their run like this yeah. it's it's really a i mean the only one that that i can really think of uh and there's a trope named after this is star trek uh because season one is maybe the, uh, office. the next generation is uh yeah uh it's kind of rough and then Riker grows a beard and uh they talk oh, about like right, shows getting world. a beard when they sort of like hit their stride a little bit better mm-hmm. the actors gel a little bit more and, and things like that so there are definitely other shows that that do increase in quality especially from first to second season um but that's like the prototypical one but this was but I don't yeah, think it's a good job common right like yeah. for for a show to do that to really turn it around and recover was heartening to see because I was very worried that it was going to continue to be problematic and would degrade and that we would be very disappointed. And instead I'm still very much as excited as, or more excited as I was to get to season two. Now I'm very, very excited to get to season three and I have more confidence in where they're going with the show that even if they have to make some leaps and there will be some changes that it will, it will still be fun television to watch and a good story. I agree with that. Yeah. hundred percent. That's where I'm at. Is a, I think, yeah. Uh, I have faith it'll be fun. Yeah. Good way to put it. All right. Anything else we want to chat about? I think we're good. All right. Until Another next fantastic time. season. Yeah, Enjoyed it. Thank you. Y'all. See you guys in a year Thank and a half. <laughs> Bye. Part two. Hey. And welcome back to our last spoiler bit of this season we have made it all the way to the end we have season two we have and man is it different than the books but yeah um as we talked about it is a i think it's a very nice piece of storytelling and store and uh television yep all right so i know you had a few things that you wanted to bring up about you know specific things in this uh episode yeah i actually wanted to um i think maybe the last thing that uh do that first just because uh we were talking a lot about 
Sanderson's take um, on on the episode, and he his take was that Ashamel is actually dead. Um, oh yeah, okay. Uh, which I thought was interesting, but like it it means that somebody else, like there are a lot of things that happen down the line because Ishamel gets reborn as Morden and Morden plays a huge role right. in the late books. Um, and so I don't know what's going to happen. Here. I mean, he becomes essentially the leader of the forsaken. Yeah. He becomes chosen. He is the body that Rand goes into because he wants to die. Yep. Well, one body wants to die. One body wants to, to live, live or one soul wants, one to, soul die, wants... One to die. Yeah. One soul wants to live and the bodies don't really matter. Um, he also... Well, I mean, Rand's body goes through... I mean, has a rough road to travel. So I yeah. think it's pretty done. Yeah. Morden's um, body is fresh and available for the taking. So the other thing I was going to say is... is uh, Morden is sort of really the only one that we see use the true power. Uh, channeling from oh, the Dark One. sure. And so, like, we get something about that with Lanfear when she resurrects. But, like, not having... Like, well... I don't know what they're going to do about that. Um, yeah, so. I, I think they're not going to make it as dangerous a thing to to channel, maybe, or that it's only when they have faced a life-threatening wound. Like, it's it's much more at the discretion of the Dark One versus, like, when they can choose to channel it. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know what they're going to do with it because they haven't really made... Well, they haven't talked about the true power at all. I mean, they've only... We just saw the saw really, going across the eyes. Have they talked about the dark one? Um, you know, that's a good question. I don't know that they really have. Like, we're very focused on the last battle. I mean, they talk about Ashamael being... I don't remember if they use the dark one as the name. I mean, they say Prince of Lies and stuff like that. But, you know, well, but I feel that's like all we have less Ashamael. about the dark one itself, himself, whatever, uh, than other... Than in the books, even right. this time. And so, yeah. like, the, I don't I don't know if they're just not having, like, the creator uh, I, versus the... No, I do think that they are having that because... Shelter in the palm of the creator. I don't know. No, no, because there's also the thing about when Leandrin um, gets visited by Lanfear. Mm-hmm. Lanfear basically says there are other ways to serve the Dark One. Or maybe it's other ways to serve your O's of the Dark. Like, I'd have to look yeah, at the... Yeah, I think it was, like, there... Yeah. Because, like, there's know. definitely, like, in the show, they are definitely very clear that there is a higher dark power yeah. it that feels everybody's like attached the to. The dark and the light rather than the dark one and, and the, the creator. creator. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I think it's there. I think that hopefully that's something that will become more prominent. But they also could be trying to avoid it because they don't want to really get into this tangled situation of you can't really defeat the dark one. Yeah, he's part of the world. Like, yeah. he is the dark to the light, and it balances. Which I think is actually, like, the whole point of the series as well. But... Yeah. Because you, you cannot know. have happiness and joy and all the other things without the other bad parts to give it give it some depth. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I don't see that as the philosophy of the dark one, though. And Well, it's the not the is. philosophy of the dark one. It's the philosophy of the world and why the dark one's important in the balancing of the world. Yeah. Because that's what Rand, when he's trying to decide at the very, very end, when he's trying to right, decide yeah, yeah. what the fate of the world is, right? there are potential ways forward that are all light, but then they end up being actually quite horrible futures. Right. So... 
I think the, like white cliff visions. I don't right exactly white cliff yeah. visions, which we've already seen are not great. Right. So anyway, I I think that they they should and hopefully will introduce a little bit more about the concept of the dark one as an entity. Um, but maybe they're going to try and steer away from that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think other things from this episode in particular that I think are interesting is is it makes a big difference um, about how the seals are dealt with. Um, you know, so in the books, the the seals are this sort of ongoing through line while the girls are traveling around, while Maureen's traveling around, that like everybody's trying to figure out where are the seals to the Dark One's prison and are they intact? And yeah. so there's increasing panic as people are identifying these seals and realizing that they are crumbling. Um, and this is a through line all the way to near the end of the books because the Amarillan is supposed to be the watcher of the seals. Mm-hmm. That entire through line is now gone. Right. And there's one seal per forsaken and like they are right. the seals in the dark one's prison that's sort of like another thing in the like are they not making the dark one be a thing right i don't know um i also wonder if they're getting rid of the male atom but that is a different story i would bet not i bet you we will see that because that was that is that is such a terrifying concept that there is something out there in the world that can be used to control rand in that way yeah I think that that will stay. Well, just just because, like, the the beat of uh, Lanfear telling Domon to drop it in the, like, center of the ocean. Oh, has already happened. Yeah. With the seals. Yeah. Interesting. And so, like, maybe they'll do something else with it or whatever. But, like, it seems like a very weird thing to repeat. Yeah. Um, and so. That's an interesting. I didn't I didn't think about that connection with um, oh. that Master Domon gets told. To drop the male Adam in the yeah sea. that that's like the immediate yeah. thing that I thought of when when we first watched yeah. the episode because I was like oh why are they doing this now with the seal like what what no I was way more focused on because to me in the books it was such a very powerful like commentary on how things are starting to fracture and how things are crumbling and the terror of not knowing. Does the fact that you found the seal broken mean that the Dark One is as much closer to touching the world? Like, all of that... Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. And it's also, like, kind of wild that, like, they've completely also changed what Hearthstone is. Uh, have they, though? Yeah, because they you They talk can't... about it being an unbreakable substance. Yeah, but you can just break with the power. Well, I think... Ran that... can break it and Ishamal can break it. But I don't think that that is normal. I don't think that my understanding from the way that um, Moraine, like when Doman brought her the piece of Heartstone and Moraine was looking at it, like that interaction to me suggested that even with the one power, the Heartstone should not break. And so it is yeah. very unique to find a piece of fractured Heartstone. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know either. But This is a different weaving. Who knows? It sure is. <laughs> Um, so then something else I think to chat about is the horn and the heroes of the horn. Yeah. What yeah. do you want to chat about with the horn and the heroes of the horn? Um, first off, I originally thought that the horn looked a bit uh, really cheap. This is just completely random. But like the the way in which it like 
when it originally pulled out of the box, I was like, wow, this looks like a child's toy. Yeah. After looking at it, I think actually I really, really like it because it's a, it's a yeah. unique way of, of presenting the horn. Yeah. And the, it's sort of got like a fish scale look to it where the, the sound comes out. Yeah. Anyway, so I was a little more like, oh, this is, this is not as, as cheesy as I thought it would look. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's something to be said for, I think it's strange that the heroes of the, that Matt is overtly a hero of the horn. Yeah. I don't know. I, that. Like this feels undeserved to me that, that he has not attained the information from his prior lives. Well, he has. But okay. He says, I remember, but we don't. We don't know don't what know. that means. I feel like that is it. It's fairly so. Weak. I think what they're trying to say is that, and I kind of hope that he loses most of it because this feels like a he's essentially stepped into Teleon Riode, like, and has that information because, like, we know from the books that when the heroes of the horn aren't spun out, um, they're being called from Teleon Riode to fight. Right. And they fight basically as magical beings. And that's how they're doing their thing. So I hope it will revert. We also know that Matt is almost definitely, Matt is a hero of the horn. Okay, sure. I guess I don't, I don't see that as being a early book reveal. Like it's something you come to know over the course of the series. Well, you don't know, you know that he's fought with and against heroes of the horn over the course of the series. Um, and so sure you can you can make inferences that he right would then be bound to the horn right but like it, it's also kind of silly because like it's it's cooler i think to have him be a thread that spun out regularly that isn't a hero of the horn kind of like the dragon isn't a hero of the horn right um perrin isn't a, a hero of the horn and He's a different, like another thing that's interesting and spun out differently. So to have, but Matt doesn't seem like he's going to be the Odin slash little bit of Loki uh, of that the story. That he's supposed to be, so, right? I don't know. Um, the horn is gone because Amaterasu takes it. That Amaterasu is name dropped is wild in so many respects. You mean that she shows up on the X-ray? Yeah. Yeah. I, I assume it is a nod to the book lore. It is a nod to book lore that is so, like, is so in the weeds that... It is very in the weeds. It is, I mean, it's not I, even in the books. Right, she's not named in the books. It, it was one of the secrets that was revealed 10 years after Jordan's death. So, like, just came out. I don't know if they were just going with the Sanderson thing when they initially wrote it, or what. Yeah. Or it was written between the drop of that book... Or, like, add it in, which is just, like, why the hell would you add it in when you have other people that it would be cooler? Yeah. Uh, like, because we did see Brigitte and probably Guidel next to her. Yeah. Though, I think making the choices that they did with the book descriptors of Guidel that, that, that we have was not the best idea, but, you know, whatever. Um, so. So, I, I, this is a little bit bad of me but i wonder if they named her specifically because the way in which she is dressed and the way particularly in which she has her eye makeup done like she looks um a little bit like uh what was the sister of the 
Shinaran Lord. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Um, who led that the... random insert? Yeah, I don't. Remember anyway, but yeah. so she she died last season, pulling all that power. I absolutely don't think that she ranked as a hero of the horn. But like, if somebody only vaguely remembered, oh yeah, there was. I guess that lady that fought in that battle. She looked vaguely like her. Kind of dressed similar. Yeah, I don't think Maybe that's her. And then if you look at the x-ray, it's definitely not her. Yeah. So I don't know if that's maybe why they went ahead and decided to name her. I don't know. Like overtly instead of implicitly like Brigitte and Gadal. Yeah. Um, I think the the other things that... What? The horn's gone. She took the horn and it went away. It'll reappear. It's fine. Okay. Like, don't worry about it. It's in Matt's secret pocket. He's a hero of the horn. He's got a horn pocket. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so the other thing in here that I think actually the the show did quite well was the setting up parents storyline for going back to the two rivers and yeah. um, Dane Bornhold. Well, Dane Bornhold drawing Perrin back to the two rivers by basically being like, "You killed my dad. I'm going to fuck up the two rivers." Yeah, I and think so I think this is set up line. really, yeah. really well um, because it's a lot stronger than in the books where, like, yes, Geoffrey dies, and I think he dies in Falm, mm-hmm. um, but Dane's only told that Perrin did it. There's no actual evidence. Yeah, but I think it it makes and also it Perrin didn't actually do it. So an interesting thing because that's one of the ways that that Fane is manipulating. Yeah. Yes. So, like, we could still have that, but that was one of, like, the Fane being an, an interesting, insidious evil. Right. And we haven't seen Fane digging his nails into any of the white cloaks. Yeah. I mean, he just shows up a little bit. I don't know. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, and anything else? Did you want to chat about Mogidan at all? I don't know that there's... I mean, I, th- I think that, that her nod to being the spider, which... Lee already brought up, uh, which was definitely from the books because we didn't yeah. get that. Um, Although I don't think that that is a stretch. Like, he's quite right that it's pretty obvious in the show. Yeah, that, that it's webs and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, so. And she's like, way. I like to hide in the, the shadows. And, yeah. Right. Um, no, I think mostly covered. Yeah. Guess we'll see what comes down the pipeline in the next season. Yep, yeah, pretty much. Excited to see what happens. Until next time. <laughs>